Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val sitting here with Diamond Dave. And here I am. Hey, Diamond Welcome Dave. Welcome step by step. What an ordeal, but I'm here. I'm here, and we're keeping, we've been doing this for quite some time. We have some poets. We have blood flowers going to open up at the piano. Hey, blood flower. And I'm sure more will be happening as the, as the afternoon rolls on. All right. Well, let's roll all on in, uh, Mr. Bloodflower. Perfect. Thank you. 
Thank you, Bloodflower. That was great. I never know what you're going to do, and I think that that's by design. <laughs> Man of mystery, Bloodflower. All right. I love that we get to start the show with some live uh, music. That is the piano here in Mutiny Radio. All the piano players who come through very generously play for us, and then I ask them, is it in tune? They're like, well... It could be better, but that's okay. So um, if you happen to know somebody who knows how to tune pianos, come on down to Mutiny Radio and um, take a look at this butte that we have here in the studio. Uh, we're lucky to be here. It is Friday, October 26, 2018. And Diamond Dave, we're joined in the studio by uh, Vincent Calvaris, right? Yes, ma'am. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, you were reading in uh, Litquake the other day over at Adobe Books because you're part of the, uh, well, you were published in Forum by the CCSF Literary Journal, right? Um, so we're going to talk, to, we're gonna talk with, with Vincent here about some of his work and words. And then Shem. Hi. Right? Yeah. Shem from, who, who goes down to the word party. I do. I every, do. It's every fun. Every third Tuesday at Piano Fight for P- Poetry and Jazz. Um I heard after the show last time that it was actually your birthday last time. Yeah, and I got there 20 minutes late, and there were a lot of extra people that time, so I didn't get to perform. It was a busy... It was disappointing, but um, yeah, it was It was nice to see it so busy, though. It was. It was. It was. Well, come on next next um, next month in uh, November. I'm actually um, filling in for the hosts right. who will be out of town, so... Um, we we'll definitely get you get you on that list early. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to be the voice of all that, all that's happening around the city with the Renaissance, the resurgence, and the revival in a way of the poetry scene, of people connecting one another with the open hearts, the open mic, and the open mind, for sure. And you had been mentioning a, a reading which I hadn't heard of, which is a midnight reading. Do you know about this, Val? I've heard about it. Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, it's at the at the loft above Chile Lindo on the corner of 16th and Cap. The lab, sorry. I know it well. It is upstairs, so I think of it as a loft. Um, but it's the lab. And um, Tongo Eisen Martin is hosting. It's another kind of free format open mic like here. Um, and it's like from midnight to two something in the morning. So it definitely attracts a less aged crowd than Bird and Beckett, for example. And it's it's a really organic format. It's almost as if um, you know there's younger, there's a little bit older, and everyone kind of slowly migrates up there. No one steps on each other physically, and they just kind of move up there and read. And uh, this past uh, reading, a young woman got up and read, and it was an amazing breakthrough for her to come oh, to yeah. terms with. Uh, her early sexual assault and she read something that was extremely powerful oh, wow. and memorable and a lot of support from each other which is really nice but we do yeah, say it was intense we do say don't panic just keep it organic and that's kind of the um, the, uh, the the how the show works and people come through and everybody's embraced welcome and heard around the planet on the internet. And we get we get a lot of downloads, don't we? We do. The Common Thread Collective gets about 20,000 downloads every month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, women's magazines, pretty close, about 18,000 a month. So um, whoever out there is listening, right on. Right on, that's right. 
Well, we're just we do love you, and this. I think that's why you tune in. And we are live from uh, San Francisco, and uh, we have this uh, organic format so people can see, have some sense of what's still happening here. Uh, myself, I go, I, I've hitchhiked here in 1957. Um, I heard something was happening here. I read an essay by Kenneth Rexroth. Do you know who he is? You shake your head. He was a great literary critic, radical, and anarchist of the generation before the Beats. And he had an article, I'm sitting in my high school, my high school library, 1957. I'm reading Nation magazine. Here's an article that says, something is happening in San Francisco. All these poets are showing up. What? Never wanted pot smoking. Wow! Uh, that's just what I wanted to do. Pot smoking, all night parties. It was the first bohemian community lifestyle happening since before World War II. What? And my mother had said, I'd always talked about this, is what I want to do is join the bohemian. She said, That's over. That's done. It's not happening. But there I saw it was happening, right here in San Francisco. And so I put my thumb out. Put my thumb out. If you, it's, this isn't a, a TV, so I, yeah, we know, I'm putting my thumb out. I can see his thumb. Yeah, my thumb, my thumb. And soon, I was. I went to, down Highway 80 in Iowa and headed for San Francisco. And soon I was here. Soon I was in North Beach because they mentioned Sailor's Bookstore. It was only he mentioned North Beach as a place that was happening. And there I was standing in front of the Sailor's Bookstore. I made it. Whew. And I look up in the window. And here's this uh, guy in his 30s. He's 99 now. In his 30s, something like that. And he's putting copies of Howl in the window. What? And so I walk in, and he tells me that they just got acquitted from the Howl trial. From Howl well, was printed out in Europe and then brought to the country. Oh, no. And it was... Uh, so you actually stumbled upon um, Lawrence Ferlinghetti putting Howell back onto the bookshelves? I'm sorry. <laughs> putting it later. back in the windows. That's yeah, putting it back awesome. in the windows after after the obscenity trial, uh-huh. right? That's I, just, I just read his uh, poem, The History of the Airplane. Um, I, I'd never read it, and it's uh, quite a powerful... Hey, I got a show going on. <laughs> Ferlinghetti's? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's, he's good. I, mean, I have it. Okay, I'll bring it out. What's that? Oh, history of the airplane. Oh yeah, well, Fairlin Getty. I heard him. He, I mean, he was in the Navy. I think I would definitely. He was in the military of some. Uh, I think he was in the Navy, and um, he went to um, Hiroshima uh, after they had dropped the bomb, and wow. it, it instantly, instantly turned him into a pacifist. Um, if you hear him tell the story sometime, there's, I mean, I didn't hear it personally. I saw it, you know, in a documentary or read about it. But uh, uh, my yeah. grandfather's from that generation. He seven in 2017. Wow. wow. But he in World War II, you know, as a Jew, he wanted to, you know, he joined the military to go like, you know, kill some Nazis, and he was fairly well educated and good with the with the words. So they sent him to an island in the Pacific and gave him a job writing a military newspaper wow. and as a communist he started organizing the soldiers <laughs> on the base wow. that he was at I read so about he, that. he didn't get to see any combat whatsoever and he's very th- he was very thankful that he missed out on all the combat yeah well being Jewish myself on the mother's side which means I'm a Jew to the Jews yeah you're, you're a fe- officially a Jew yeah. but in my spiritual practice I'm a, I'm a Sufi which is a, which is a peace and love branded brand of Islam right, like, yes, like Rumi yeah. and Hafiz that's my tradition that's why I say learn to love mm. love to learn 
this never ends. And of course, they were. Uh, uh, I, I discovered myself these are amazing poets, but much more than that, Hafiz and Sufi and Rumi. And then I heard it. Then I, so I looked into it and found that they're dervishes in the Sufi order, and a dervish. Is a, is a Farsi word, is a Farsi word for Norway. In other words, if you're Sufi, what you are, what you're dedicating your life to is definitely not getting rich, not getting property, not getting any of that. But your life is to become a doorway. The doorway between the um, two worlds. The world within, which we all have, and the world with, without, that we all share. And so that's what a dervish is, a dervish is, literally. And so that's a good thing to be, and I think what poets are, and as a, uh, as a, um, a Jewish Sufi, that's my tradition. That's beautiful. That's well, so here we are, brother. Let's, go. Let's mix it up. I always, I always find uh, I can, if I'm stuck writing, uh-huh. I, I will read a little roomy, and it opens my vessels up. Uh, recently I read one of his poems, Not Here, and the line, There's courage involved if you want to become truth. And it opened me up, and just the poem flowed again. And then he's writing from the 15th century. Yes. Yeah, and, but yet, the, his words, I wish I had some Rumi right now. Uh, we could probably find it online. I know we could find it online. Jalun Rumi. And um, maybe we could do that. But anyway, um, I'm always well, Rumi is always welcome in this, uh, this show. Um, There's always room for Rumi. Uh, there right. you go. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> to Shalom, ruminate on a little Rumi. I lived two years on a kibbutz. I turned 21 on a kibbutz. Oh, wow. Back in the day. That's crazy. And that's sort of... And I, I came there on this small boat with one other guy. And it turned out we were the first persons to come into Haifa. And in Haifa, in a small boat. It was, it was, and a small boat since 1948. And uh, anyway, so we greeted. And uh, I said, I was there to... Not, I'm certainly not a Zionist. I spoke to the Palestinian people, but that, this was before, of course, the uh, way before the Six-Day War, where everything changed when uh, the Jews, when Israeli occupied the West Bank, and suddenly they had a million and a half Palestinians to occupy, and uh, and now we have this real right-wing uh, government in. Uh, then it was socialist, a right-wing government in Israel, and everything changed. Yeah. Oh, you have that uh, Phil and Getty poem, eh? I do. Let's read it. Um, it's kind of long, so I'll read the last. Yeah, three read what you'd like to. That's a good idea. Um, the last three stanzas of the history of the airplane. Um, it says, "And the Wright brothers were long forgotten in the high flying bombers that now began to visit their blessings on various third worlds, all the while claiming they were searching for the doves of peace, and they kept flying and flying and flying until they flew right into the 21st century." And then one fine day, a third world struck back and stormed the great plains and flew them straight into the beating heart of skyscraper America, where there were no aviaries of parliaments of doves. And in a blinding flash, America became part of the scorched earth of the world. And a wind of ashes blew across this land. And for one long moment in eternity, there was chaos and despair and buried loves and voices, cries and whispers fill the air everywhere. Wow. Mm. And there it all began. Yeah, it really captures. How that very began and out of it came that generation called the Beat Generation. And we're, uh, we're sitting here now 
in the tradition of all that, because of all that, and to help keeping this going in these difficult times of Trump. But I think we have something going on. We have total free speech here, and I think we're moving beyond that radar, under the radar that he's talking about, and continue to... <coughs> Yeah, you want me to get a little thing? I got a long thing that I want to read, but I'll, maybe I'll wait till after the story. I can do something I have memorized. All right. My simulacra do not fit inside your letterboxes. My emoticons do not reflect your pixelations. My unhinged front doors skulk around the edges of your banquet hall campaign dinners. My forest floor mycelia often appear bemused by your chewing gum stained sidewalks. My earthworms thrash about in your cracked concrete rain puddles. My good hair when oiled up and shining sublimates your disdainful glances. My itinerant amalgamations interpolate your purposefully designed algorithms. My inner crunchy beavis feels simultaneously repulsed by and drawn to your outer creamy butthead. My market-driven cycles of therapeutic release get tripped up at every turn by your swarms of deep data-driven drone hordes, 3D nanoprinting, endless piles of neo-Freudian desires every time I risk it and step out from under the protective shield of my inner sanctum. My adverse childhood experience survival maps pair exquisitely with your trauma-triggered psychotic interludes. My heart dreams, clouded over by probable coronary artery bypass surgeries, ache for your laparoscopically removed gallbladder insights. My inner sense of nothingness, smelling of ozone and tobacco, desperately needs a hug from your indignant sense of self-righteousness oozing red wine, rage, and heat rising in waves. I give it a good practice throw and my kidney stone skips 19 times across to the farther shore of your steaming pool of bile. Shoot. My awkward approximations of antiquated analog interfaces are not quite capable of successfully coupling with your carefully crafted drop-down menus of indefinitely recombinable mood textures, but the resultant ripples of distortion and static can be surprisingly genuine. My melancholy personifications of condemned 20th century brick tenements harsh the swoony buzz of your anthropomorphized ant colony high-rise micro-apartment complex with incredible walk score aspirations. Wow. My rootless cosmopolitan nonchalance unnerves your hard-fought provincial sense of well-rootedness. The fanning cracks in the corners of my rose-colored sunglasses reveal infinitely recurring fractals of your harsh realities, and like a cunning linguist caught in somebody else's glass bead game, I revel in the gratuitous pleasures of submerging myself in the staccato rhythms of a crumbling empire's lingua franca, steeped in the street creoles of creative resistance at the bottoms of the turtle stacks. I talk my smack, drink my coffee black, no cream, no sugar, just put a little bit of cinnamon in it. Or maybe lace me up with some of that Similac. Wow. Yeah. Well, welcome, brother. Join the family. Right on, Shem. I like your, your cosmopolitan nonchalance. Was that it? <laughs> yeah. That's a great line. <laughs> that's the rootless cosmopolitan. That's a Jew, you know. Wander, yeah, go, the wandering Jew. That's no, what Stalin exactly. called us back in the old he days. He sure did. Yeah. I was there. I'm 80 years old. All that stuff I follow is all out of my mind. Stalin is <laughs> anti-Semitism. And the, I, was, I was there... I was kind of a Trotskyist, I'm an anarchist now. 
but I could I could observe I observed in '56 with the Hungarian Revolution first, and the death is out. The 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 what was it? Uh, that was going on within the communist party at the time as people tried to both be communists but yet uh, try to embrace it or ignore it and say that doesn't exist it's all capitalist propaganda and that's the communist party at the time it went from 100,000 members when your father or grandfather was a member to like just uh, a couple hundred or a couple thousand although it was more than oh in the, yeah, in the 50s when all the stuff came out yeah. when all the but stuff he, came out he he Left the com- the Communist Party, yeah. When the when when the Stalin in fifty six or yeah. before that, yeah, yeah, in no, fifty six. Yeah, that's yeah. when that's when they lost all their talent. Yeah, and it was a bunch of people who just had they had a thing about Russia. The Russia, the, everything everybody said about Russia was just capitalist propaganda, and Stalin was a real communist. You could just shake your head. I was looking at it from the Trotsky perspective then. No, I look at Trotsky perfect. It's all <laughs> similar to me. But here we are building a new movement from the bottom up. That's what I like. From I the it. bottom up. That's the only way to build it. Okay. So welcome, boy, my boy, brother. Thank you. And uh, you'll read something. You can stick around. I know you will. And hey, you have some uh, fiction you'd like to read? It's what would you like to do now? Or what would you like to do now? Just uh, be open mic and open heart. I a story, right? I have story. a story, but I have a sh- uh, I wanted to read the, the shorter poem. Who do that? Uh, since you were the- well, I kind of wanted to read um, You Made Me Think of uh, when you're talking about the beats. So this is a little 14-line sonnet I wrote. About oh, San I'd love Francisco. to read it. I'd love to hear it. It's called The Hills. Seven by seven, our loving arms embrace, holding up the lights at Columbus, draping with the beats, our city by the bay, reflecting nothing to waste, with Grant and Pacific raising red lanterns amid the Cantonese. Gray slicks white rabbit, hops near Ashbury's summer flower, nibbling at hope with milk, standing courageously at Castro, yelling to Twin Peaks, the ever-reaching Sutro Tower, chanting melodies down to Graham at the Golden Gate Polos, to the on-Broadway, the Mabuhay Gardens and the Dead Kennedys, slam-dancing near the Fillmore's Grateful Dead, buried at Gary, with drifting cherry blossoms near Webster, hello, it's February, mewing cows at Geneva, and balloon drops from the holding company, Starkly, Petro's Ward 86, sadly God picked all of his flowers, Moscone gunned down at Polk, bloody wow. memories forever. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was there throughout all of that. Wow. You've been there, making that transition. Well, that's when I was, was in Israel. But, uh, in the kind of, when I came back, the people who picked me up didn't bring me back to North Beach and Grant Avenue, which I assumed, but brought me up to Haight Street. Which I only remember is this little white town within a, a white town. The Visadero was the boundary, black on one side, white on the other. And that was Hate Street. But we had a white flight, all these empty apartments on Hate Street because black people were beginning to move up because of redevelopment in the Fillmore. And we we're, were beginning to move up, and they left the white flight, it was called. I think it happened to everybody, but it happened here. And so all these apartments were, were available. You get a whole flat for $100 a month back then, up in the hate. And so there I was, not on Grant Avenue, which was my stroll before, which I expected, we'd go, how's it going, and so on, as we went from the place, which was this bar, 
uh, was a wine bar, beer wine bar. By this time, it was totally packed. This is where you could find the first person I met when I walked up there. I stopped at City Lights and uh, talked to Phil and Getty. He really, he really looked out for me afterwards, too. So I walk up Grant Avenue to the place. That's where they had, we hang up. And so I walked up there. And there was, it was early, so there was only one guy in there. And he said, welcome, come on in, we got a beer. And so I walked, it was empty then, but he was there. And I said, who are you? Or he said, who are you? Or who are me? And it turned out, he said, my name is Bob Kaufman. And I realized then that this was a very special human being. You know Kaufman? And he was, you know, I mean, Ginsburg, Kerouac, I knew pretty well, and, 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 and Neil Cassidy, too. But Kaufman, I could see, and it wasn't until I got to Israel, in fact, began to get newspapers, uh, that, uh, and they began to talk about Kaufman. And his first uh, poetry, he wasn't writing poetry then when I first knew him. It happened when I left. But his first work was, which he put on the, put on the, on the wall, he taped to the wall of the, of the coffee place in between uh, City Lights and the place called the, the Bagel Shop, the Coexistence Bagel Shop. Mm-hmm. And that's where he put his first work on. It was called the Abonymous Manifesto. <laughs> and that was Kaufman's first work. And he'd write his poetry and leave it around. By this time, Eileen was his partner. Eileen Kaufman, their little baby, who's now a middle-aged. I met him now. His middle age group. I knew was a little baby, and she would uh, she would collect all of his poetry that just that he would scrawl in various places, and that's how the uh, he had a couple books. Uh, 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 October, what was it? But uh, uh, his but his collected work it's called something. Well, his collected works has all that poetry in it. It's called the poet, but the anonymous manifesto with confidence and I could see immediately when we began to talk that this dude was a very special human being and this was the guy who I was meant to mean to introduce me to the what was soon we were soon to be called the Beat Generation, nineteen fifty seven. Well anyway, do you want to read something out more? How about you? Either one of them. You want me to read the fiction? Since we're down here? Yeah. Look at the DK. Here's another here. Keith is here. Yeah. I think Hey, Kay. Yeah, you can do Come on in. This is the place that's happening. Longish. Hi, y'all. I'll yeah, be back in just one second. All oh, right. Beautiful. <laughs> Wonderful. So, uh, part of uh, getting to live in San Francisco and, and having the background that I've had for the last 30 years, um, I get to be around a lot of beautiful sensory detail, and it shows up in my fiction, my creative nonfiction, and my poetry. So, uh, this is a character. Uh, story about a guy named Jesus and it takes place right near here in Balmy Alley. Wow, yeah. I'm there in my mind. And the, your word was sensory detail, is that right? Sensory detail. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Go ahead. Okay. So this is called The Lookout. I was at the mouth of Balmy Alley when I heard the two pops. The narrowed L-shaped alleyway with aging Victorians gobbled up the sound and swallowed it whole. I had let my dark black, now graying hair grow out with months of a sorry ass of an excuse for a beard, which laid against my John Doe shirt. They had given it to me 17 hours ago after I signed my contingent release paperwork. With a pair of boosted sunglasses from CVS, I hoped I would blend. Every time I got out, it was important to reinvent, or at least look different than when I went in. Luckily, the blue in my hood had very short memories. When it came to street life, I was always half in or half out, but this time my left foot was in the street and the other on the sidewalk. 
I half turned and over my shoulder I could see the colorful murals. They were like Gorilla Gallery, bright red, iridescent green, electric blue. One was a tribute to a slain trans woman. One was called The Culture Contains the Seed of Resistance. Street artists had been responsible for making pretty in the hood since I was 19 or 20. I usually appreciated them most when I was rolling or had been tweaking for a few days. Or at least their voice was heightened when I was down a nickel or dime bag of G or some Tina. I stepped back quickly. I hoped I wasn't seen. Fuck, the only good witness was a very dead one. I told myself, you didn't see a thing, not one single thing. My only job was to delay anyone and everyone. Talking my way in was usually when I was high or needed to cop, but today it was strictly shuck and jive. Oh, that coat is absolutely divine. Gucci? Or, hey man, don't we know each other from McAteer? Mm. I looked around the corner through a rusted rain pipe. There were one, no two, nope three. Within seconds, they were heading down Clarendon and out of sight. I was just about to step out when one had run back and spit on him and exclaimed, Metacon puto. Mm. He began laughing and then he too disappeared. After blood hit the streets, all those involved became ghosts. We called Benito from the old neighborhood Casper. That guy could disappear better than anyone unless he got too jacked. In fact, too wired up is what got him snuffed. I walked two half steps into the alley toward the take and almost tripped. Wearing cowboy boots wasn't usually my thing, but when I stepped off the Quentin bus, there they were, lazily, tops flopped like dog ears, and size 12 in black. I quickly abandoned my orange flip-flops I had traded for a pack of Marlboros. Within 10 feet, I spotted them, a pair of red and white Jordans, mid-calf. I said, so sweet! <laughs> His body was on its side, one to the head, one to the chest, a 24th Street special. He was still bleeding out, and his oversized white t-shirt began to pattern an Atlanta Braves jersey. The upper shot had sprayed against the mural behind him, freckling Frida Kahlo. I tried not to look into his face, but he seemed strangely familiar. I knelt down and removed the first shoe. Nice socks, too. Nike stretch, I removed them, too. Once he was barefoot, I began rooting his pockets. First the front, then the back. No wallet. I reached down into his waistband. Yep. He was wearing a nut cup. As I unbelted him, I again looked at his deranged, silent face. Panchito? No, it couldn't be. He was still at Pelican Bay or maybe Chino. My thought reshuffled as my temples jerked left to right. Let it go, I said to myself. I lifted the cup up and with two fingers I shoved his junk to the side. I slipped his billfold out and three bindles innocently slid out. Dang, he was holding, I said. I pocketed them. Tonight would be a good time at the Kinney SRO, but I would need some clean works for sure. I began to hear the wails, distant, maybe three to four minutes away. I never liked sirens. They usually made me freeze up. But when I flipped open the billfold, I stood up as my lap disappeared. I dropped it. Fuck, 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 Francisco. Ferociously, I picked up the shoes, stuffing the socks and wallet inside them. I headed toward Corbin. The popa would be entering from the other side when one-way streets actually worked. He and I hadn't seen each other in a few years. Marie said he had been throwing hammers for a living out in Benicia. He'd gotten mixed up with a speed freak TL girl. Her name was Gina or Jeannie or some white girl name. She said she didn't understand, so it must have been really good sex. She played him constantly, eventually reported him to his parole officer. She told him he hit her. Typical, Marie remembered. 
he ended up with a 120-day violation. As I turned onto 30th Street, I remember I had received one prison letter from him in June or maybe July. He said he was trying the AA thing and went to class every day. He said it was going to be different this time. In his two-pager, he had asked for my forgiveness. By the time I hit the Excelsior and turned onto Persia, Francisco's words seeped back in. Jesus, accept my apology. I've used your name countless times to avoid the cuffs. I knew I had warrants and you didn't. Two years ago, I fucked your girl and gave her the drip. Mm. And I'm sure you were applauding soon. I'm sure there are other things, but I can't remember right now. I can't wait to see you again, and hopefully we can grab beers. Please forgive me. I entered the walkway where I had been dragged out so many times before. As I stood there, I took a deep breath and knocked. Who is it? She said. Marie, it's me, Jesus, your son. I thought, now your only son. Wipe your feet, she yelled. I looked down at the doormat. It read, welcome back. Did you forget the booze? I rubbed my, I rubbed my new sneakers back and forth and lifted up each sole. I said to myself, clean as they're going to get. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's hardcore. That's uh, the red and line of these hardcore detectives, uh, but from the but from another point of view, somewhere between Burroughs and the Burroughs and the young Burroughs and of uh, of Junkie, and uh, the young Burroughs of Junkie, and the hardcore detective stories. You got it going on, brother. If you if you continue, which I'm sure I'll be able to do that, I predict a bright future for you. Oh, thank you, Diamond Dave. You yeah, a lot yeah. of details. Since yeah, that's the right. details. That's what he called it's it. What did you call it? It's all in the revision. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the revision. You we, write it over and over again. We yeah. have a fiction writing class out of Adobe Books. Wow. Uh, we meet the last Monday of every month at Adobe in the community room. We're called the Revisionists. Wow. And anyone's welcome. <laughs> anyone is welcome to join. Um, it's a historical society. Uh, we, we vote. We vote it. Uh, I came up with the last last day of class last semester, but. Um, you know, we just, we've been taught, you know, everything is in the revision. You got to be open that sometimes even you get taken out of something, but ego sometimes holds on. Oh, I don't want to get rid of that. And it's like, maybe that's for another poem or another piece of fiction. Wow. And it'd be tight. I, 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 let me drop this in now. It's good. You mentioned Adobe Bookstore and you're welcome. In fact, everybody out there is welcome to my 81st B-Day party. It's going to be at Adobe on November 11th. At uh, November 11th at uh, 6 o'clock until uh, closing time. And they're flexible about the closing time. Because there'll be a lot of uh, be You were there last year, weren't you, Val? Yeah, what's that, Dave? My B Day party. My oh, idiot. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always something going on from Dave, Dime Dave's birthday over to Adobe. we got to go over there and uh, check, t- talk with the folks year. up there. Someone, a band gave you a feather, right? Uh, that was actually uh, Winsong gave me a feather for my birthday last year. I think oh, I keep it. I keep it in the uh, dashboard of my car. But so the um, the revisionists is a writing group um, that meets at Adobe the last Monday of every month. What time? Does the writing group meet the the revisionists? Uh, six six thirty, right yeah, around. All right, right in the evening. It, it, it's online. Okay, so anybody can come, but is it a, did it form from a, a lot of the other students from C, who were in the writing programs at CCSF? Creative writing, uh, but we're again, it's on the calendar, so it's open to everybody. We usually email each other. Uh, the story mid month gives wow. everybody a chance to read each other's work. Wow, and cool. come ready to discuss, you know, uh, form, structure, character development, uh, point of view. 
uh, sensory detail, wow. et cetera. Very well, cool. Well, that's incredibly good. So I mentioned us to them, because in the same way, we're open to all the various that's streams true. coming in. Yeah, feel free. Yeah, people, and, uh, yeah, feel free. The people have uh, finally got it tight enough, or whenever, come on by and uh, just come on by and put it out there to the planet. That's right. We don't even mind a first draft. <laughs> well, everything I say is a first draft. I just open, them, open my mouth and out come the words. Definitely first draft. The non-scripted is what I'm about. So you had something I got, else, and you I got had something else. Thing, yeah. And EK is with us. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And she's got a new book out too. Yo. There it is. Let me see it. Wow! Look at it. Ordinary village. There's so much. There's so much creativity in this room right now. It's like, it's like crawling out of the out of this out of the windows of this room. So Shem, you've got a uh, what? What you got, got for us? I got a, a long poem. Um, so here I go. It's called Blue Luck Inverted. Blue luck inverted, an upside-down four-leaf clover, purplish, more red than dead but still no better off for time spent in service. Overgrown and sulky, stuck in a quagmire, rowing in place in a tinny little boat, nostalgic for a dream that seemed like destiny at the time but never really manifested. True love converted, like a Sephardic Jew who, in order not to get caught in the snare of a Spanish Inquisitor plot and the attendant innovations and devices of a burgeoning trade and torture, surmises it would be wiser to hold his tongue, hide his faith and pride inside, resort to artifice, and bide his time. Identity deflowered by a lustily papal penetration, architectonically tonifying in its rapaciousness. Consciousness invaders, creators of a new self, erected for the sole gratification of an expanding avarice. Empire churches gone wild, ecstatically chanting chapel dirges, drunk on success, newly minted mental prison interior design services, reconfiguring our every thought, impulse, and urge with interrogative precision. Queen Anne laced them up good when her turn came around. Kingdoms united in perpetuity, a couple of fat blood sausages and a sizable annuity. Set them up and lay them down, said the fat lady with the crown and the Whig and Tory two-party system. Sales caught a gust to prime the pump and stump the growing throat lump of hungry masses, still wallowing in filth into swallowing this bill of goods. Lump sum trust funds accruing interest for the well-fed landed gentry and their ilk. A pint of gin, a lump of coal, and a crust of bread for the work-weary kept them bleary and consenting. A leaky lean-to with a single cot and a pot to piss in, just enough time to get drunk, fuck, and pass out before it's back to heavy lifting on the docks if they had any kind of pull at all with Lady Luck. And thusly thrust into the future, feverish and blustery, a couple of conventional two-party parties, the truest, bluest pimps and panderers, and their bestest bottom bitches party like hardened arteries stoned to the kidneys. Donors freshly harvested organs kept on ice for any on-the-fly transplant needs that might arise. The most heroic super savior surgeons at beck and call in the back hall with the rest of the charming hostesses and servants. Put them up and knock them down, a soul cry to the peons propped up on pedestals precariously poised in the neon night. Pull them down and drag them in by their ears to the center of the ring with all the rest. The dispossessed and disenfranchised, demoralized and depoliticized. Get them crazed and raged and frenzied and let them feed. A little cinnamon and molasses, a little razzmatazz for they hungry asses, a little snake oil sales charm mixed in with just the right amount of false alarm to keep them distracted from what's really going on. From the top of a soapbox or a milk crate at the corner of an empty lot at the edge of a sidewalk by a sewer grate, 
a little scorched earth birthright song and dance to stoke the flames of hate and fear enough to put him in a trance keep those fires burning hungering for the flesh of a new scapegoat to sear and tear and rip to shreds or at least keep them blind to the chains around their brains squinting into the sun to catch a glimpse of what promises of greener pastures always over the next hill or just out of sight past the horizon line Fifteen minutes of fame simulates a satiating point of reference, sufficient significance for any fly-by-night meaning seeker to make their nest in. Gas chamber heat clocked eternal cinder slumbers in mind-numbing, soul-searing numbers. Early in and last to leave, easy bake furnace, furnace make, maintenance worker said, just doing my job as he clocked out from another graveyard shift. Somebody's got to tend those fires, work those extra shifts, make that overtime pay why not me genocide the new quotidian humdrum beat with a mushroom cloud alarm alarm clock front parlor pushed past the threshold out into the street professionalized birth and death reallocated to funeral homes and hospitals relegated to the edges of awareness left to fester unattended as we learned to feel a little more anxious and disgusted by all the, all the gory details of childbirth let the doctors drug us up and cut us Bottle feed our baby's formula for our convenience. Similac children living in the simulacra. And death, not just to fear it, but resent it with a vengeance, like we ought to be able to stave it off and live, or live forever or some such nonsense. Duped by psychological fear-desire ad campaigns, we hand over our miraculous beginnings and sacred endings, transmogrified and squeaky clean, sold back to us repackaged, indispensable services we never knew we needed. Next on the agenda, the living room takeover. Domesticity rebranded and repurposed, a fabulous technicolor makeover. TV sets, TV dinners, and bright orange tang, the drink of the astronauts. And teenagers, rebels, no, troubled youth, rebels without causes ad nauseum would never have been plausible before sectionals, hi-fi stereos, family rooms and great rooms, pop-tarts, space programs, a car in every driveway, college campus doors open just a little wider, new chance to be the first in your family with a university degree, a real opportunity to stretch out adolescence, remodel and refurbish internal mental spaces, mold and craft and fabricate the perfect consumer, special, precious, important, and hollow in the center, like an individually wrapped fingerling sponge cake with a big black hole where they put the cream in. A never-ending supply of need to fill over and over and over and over and over and over again ad infinitum. Now that's some great fucking marketing. We learn to yearn for the flush of freedom we felt from an open sky rolling by on a well-paved stretch of highway. Soon clouded over by smog, but we kept driving anyway. To catch that rush of wind in our faces from behind the wheel of a large automobile, careening precariously along crumbled, crumbling roadways into the jammed up gridlock of the present, and wondering how we ever got here in the first place. Keep the Manichaean machinations churning, the elemental extraction contraptions, keep them pumping, bumping and scraping all the fracking crude they can to the last drop, and all the metals, precious, semi-precious or not, but it really doesn't matter, does it? As long as we keep pulling this shit out of the ground, we can still get this easy money, they chortle giddily, gleeful fist bumps and ass slaps all around, complicit in agreement with their greedy logic, not to get while the getting is good would just be stupid. Guns, gas, gold, minerals, coal, diamonds soaked in blood, from the Fertile Crescent to Africa to the South Pacific to Alaska to the Appalachians, and with a little more snow melt to beyond the Arctic Circle. Jerks with their O-faces on full tilt, pushing it into the hilt, squeezing out every last iota of exploitable materia prima, going nuts, busting through the ceilings of their quoted quota packages, a lewd concoction for a post-apocalyptic cocktail glass filled to the rim.
drug your dreams, imprison your conscience, murder your profits, always keep a keen eye on your next quarter's profit margin, and remember to keep all those miscreants and malcontents on the margin. Promote your protean, proto-homo sapiens aggressions as they brown nose and bully their way into executive suites like bulldozing bulldogs with bullhorns and a penchant for laying waste to make way for glistening new glass buildings to beat and scrape the sky with. And a certain weakness for a good con and an artful cheat in the strong arm of a heavy-handed thief. Everybody wants to be czar or kaiser or king or whatever, but this one likes to daydream about opening a chain-linked, fenced-in zone for golf course midway magamals along every underexploited coastline from North Korea to Kazakhstan so he can relaunch Orange Julius with his too-much-beta-carotene in his skin-cream-fat face as the mascot and maybe sponsor a local sports team or two so he can get a fanfare parade whenever he comes through. Add fun new items to the menu like Caesar salad to pass the time and keep from losing interest and special Twitter tweet incentive treats for return customers to drum up business and he could pay out ridiculously puny severance packages to all the little people he'd get to fire. And flat-screen camera eyes disguised as framed portraits of his favorite fascists would hang on all the walls for every passerby to admire. Twitter, tweety, tweety, twoo, an absent-minded grin, drool dribbling lazily from his chubby orange chin. Just some smarmy carny with a certain Elmer Fudd-type swagger, who somehow sneakily snaked his way into the big top center ring, much to the chagrin of the boxy bigwigs bankrolling the whole shindig, pulling a fast one and pulling off his ugly fuck-you-pimp performance. The I am Donald J. Trump billionaire. I own a hotel chain and a couple of skyscrapers. I have my own TV show, and now I'm the goddamn president. And I'm gonna kill that wascally wabbit if it's the last thing I do, shtick. Or so they'd have you think. As he brazenly declares national debt bankruptcy to the IMF, seizing all public assets with his pudgy, pussy-grabbing digits, awkwardly fidgeting and blurting random rants at White House press conferences like some overblown, signifying infant orangutan. But pretty soon now, most likely, the masters of war and disaster who really run this shit show, their bean counter number crunchers calculating daily blowback resilience capacity projections, will let him down from his high seat, give him a clean bill of sale and a fresh bib, and send him packing. Inaugurate the next distractingly captivating bad actor to star in this money laundering, live streaming, electoral political survival island reality series, still erroneously referred to by some as a representative democracy in action. Until what? We flip the clover over again, rise together in unison, reclaim our better natures, homo sapiens, amans. One can only hope, keep alive, and stay afloat. Wowzy. Wowzy. I didn't know that to get out there. I hope you get what's getting out here right now. But if I want to sum it all up, the words that come to me is, fuck them if they can't take a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see the look on their face. Um. <laughs> okay, here we are. So, uh, my, my goodness. Uh, that you sent from a Sephardic Jew an Inquisition-minded Spain to then all of that of Trump and all this all the process is happening now and the fact is uh, that is that tradition, we still be that Sephardic Jew. Are you a Sephardic Jew, by the way? Um... No, I'm more Ashkenazi. Than I thought Sephardic, so. Yeah. I, yeah. I knew Sephardic. Let me I'll give you the footnote for people who don't know. The Sephardic Jews were Jews originally in Spain who were forced out there. Either had, they had a choice. Either they were going to become good Catholics like that. You're but Sephardic I am a Jew. fan of Spinoza. Yeah, Spinoza in Holland. Sephardic descendant. Sephardic. <laughs> and throughout uh, the Middle East, of course, uh, Sephardic Jews. Mm -hmm. From Yemen now, many in Israel. 
And then, and you know, uh, just as, uh, as Ashkenazi, we spoke Yiddish as our uh, common tongue. Is that right? That's right. When we lived in the Pale, the Pale was that part of Russia where, where we Yiddish was spoken, where Jews were supposed to live. Is that right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and the Yiddish was a language. This was a Jewish civilization, nominally, and with Yiddish, they went all the way, uh, all the way from um, from uh, all the way across Russia, from uh, Poland, Germany, uh, all the way across. Yiddish speaking. That's where, that's our roots. My grandmother spoke Yiddish as her first language the, the rest of her life. She spoke English to uh, to us, but Yiddish to my mother. And a broken English, but so I knew Yiddish pretty well. But I, wish, the, I, I wish I did. Uh, well, I kind of do too. And there is a kind of a renaissance. Yiddish, there's a college that has a Yiddish institute where they collect all the, all the books. They got them out of dumpsters and stuff. Yeah, I read that book, the book about his journey going to collect all the books. Oh, it's a good yeah. book, isn't it? Yeah, I recommend book. it. Yeah. I like to recommend uh, books on the show. And this is by this. Well, he makes a journey of. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful story. Uh, and the story of the, the, of the revival of Yiddish and the, the collection of the books from dumpsters many times because they throw them away. The kids, we don't speak Yiddish, and in the dumpsters they go. Mm -hmm. And you go around and pick them up because it was a great literature. The Yiddish, uh, the Yiddish theater, the Yiddish writers like Solom Ash, they were amazing. I sometimes think that um, the official decision to make Hebrew, the language of Israel, is what killed. One of there was a there was an explosion of Yiddish culture in 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 the thirties, in the twenties and thirties. I mean, and there were Yiddish radio stations in this country, and theaters, and newspapers, and magazines, and books, tons. And then it all got cut off almost instantly. American comedy owes a lot to Yiddish. Well, Absolutely, much Jews, but. Okay, well, I was just going to. Well, I was just going. The uh, we, we have a phone call, but I want to say, do you know that uh, the Sephardic Jews have their own? Just like Yiddish was Ashkenazi Jews, Sephardic Jews spoke Ladino. Ladino and Kalo, yeah. And uh, Ladino, uh, they had newspapers in Ladino, and it was like a Yiddish, where a Hebrew uh, Hebrew alphabet. But in fact, was uh, middle uh, like low, but Yiddish was low German from the 15th, 16th century. Ladino was Spanish from that time. So it's an amazing life we've had. Do we have a call? I understand. We do, but you know what, Dave? I I, I want to get make sure you have your um, headphones set up. Yeah, so I, I wanted to wrap up this segment just for now, but Let's feel free to stick around um, because do. we've got a, a call in. Come, it's just come in, and there's a, a few people on that call. So um, we'll get Dave some some headphones uh, for for that opera part I, I of the operation. Put some music on, will you? I am going to do that. Um, I so I wanted to say thank you to Shem and Shem. What's your last name? I. Corn gold. Corn, Corn gold. gold. I knew it was. Oh I knew it was. All right. Yeah. So um, come on out uh, to the Word Party third Tuesday of the month at Piano Fight seven to nine p.m. I, I have a feeling Shem's going to be there next time. Um, and you're welcome to come out too uh, to do poetry and poetry only, but with the jazz band behind you um, and Vincent Calvaris. Thank you for coming on down to Mutiny Radio today. I hope you'll be able to come back at some point and talk more about your um, projects and things. Yeah, you've got to. And just one other thing, uh, we're f uh, getting to, uh, the latest forum, CCSF's Literary Magazine, together. That'll probably go to print sometime in November, and we'll be having the release at Alley Cat Books on December 20th, 6 p.m., and you'll probably get to hear some uh 
pretty amazing poets from the community. I can't give out names yet till it's completely finalized, but uh, there's going to be some really good poetry coming and some visual art as well. A common thread again. I was the poem, which is the best poem. I was in the uh, poetry uh, poetry writing class at City College. I'm a long time student, long time student at City College, and out of it came a poem. Which I would tell you, maybe I'll do it here later, and so on. Which, which then reappeared in the forum, and I remember how it looked. It was, it was, I gave it to them, and then when the forum came out, and they put it in the back because it was the best poem. We wanted to end up with that, and it was like a two, three-page poem, and I read it and I said, "Oh my goodness!" Just to see how they laid it out was amazing. Forum is an amazing magazine. Yeah, we're gonna have. A, I didn't know you were part of it. The to- I'm the general editor this semester. Oh my goodness! And uh, we have the topic of uh, borders, so everything having to do with immigration, Me Too, Times Up, LGBTQI, um, you know, race, uh, the wall, Trump, all of that. Is uh, going to be front and center in this uh, this issue. Well, we'll come, come up by Alicat. When is that going to be at Alicat? December twentieth. Okay, and well, why don't you bring them by here too? Okay, and maybe I'll come before that and bring some people with me to read. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but borders. Here's mine. Our doors are open. Take down the walls. Open the doors. Get rid of the borders too. Families. Bands, tribes, communities, collectives. I believe in that. But borders just a line on their map. They can't take a joke. We're putting on some music and we have a call. All right, so, will do. I'm going to play a little Mission Delirium for you all. And they're going to be having a crazy show coming up. I'll tell you, tell you all about it.
You are listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. We're broadcasting live from the Mission District. It is Friday, October 28th, 2018. Uh, you're listening live or maybe to a podcast in our archive on our website. But uh, Diamond Dave is here. And I want to thank the very uh, gracious people who have been uh, on hold for a couple minutes on the phone. David Williams calling in from the Global Peace Council. David. David, where are you now? Can um. Thank you, f- thank you for waiting. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Um, I'm here with Wave. We're in the Greenbelt National Park Campgrounds, number 55 in Loop B. We've got the tent set up, weatherized, and uh, we had a fire in there yesterday for the first time in near Washington, D.C. Dave knows where Greenbelt is. And uh, we had our first uh, sessions of the 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning to the afternoon, Global Peace Council the last few days. Bob Mendelson was here. Grandmother Red Clover, who was on your show earlier, and Wave and I, we've been powering down, talking about far out things, making notes and posting them towards developing a global peace plan to post online and deliver to the White House and the United Nations. November 1st, we're not going to go to the White House because it's the, the Lafayette Park has turned into a militarized protest zone, and I'm not a protester, so we've changed the plan to go just to simply the, the I did the first leg of the Global Peace March since I talked to you last, just walking from the Congressional Cemetery, 8 o'clock in the morning on the 20th of October, up to the Indian Museum, check out everything, go to the David's Tent Place, go inside, vibe it all out, and then uh, walk to Lafayette Park, sort of a recon for, for the November 1st. And uh, so the conclusion I came to was to have a uh, second leg of the Global Peace March. The, uh, the third leg will be from John Lennon's Imagine Memorial on 11-11 to the United Nations. But the second leg will just be a few hundred yards to make a circle outside the Indian Museum in the grass under the trees there, to pray for clemency for Leonard Peltier. Most likely the Freedom Riders will be in at that time. Um, I don't know. They're scheduling separate now. But uh, grandmother Mary Lyons, great-grandmother Mary Lyons, is going to be there that morning. And uh, that Indian Museum has welcomed uh, this issue. And so it's a all tribes the sort of the the Leonard Peltier Freedom Ride 2016 has been kind of like a match to light a fire or something. So that's coming as an all tribe circle outside the uh, Indian Museum there on the Mall Little Forest, and that's because the David's Tent people are hosting an all tribes DC gathering, teepees on the Mall and. Uh, everybody praying in their own way for the pray for America, you know, like you should follow a better path, America, and the leaders pay attention. We're praying for you, kind of thing. So that'll be that. And then the November 1st, I just mentioned, on the 11th, I mean. So I have Wave here with me, and uh, uh, I was trying to get Yamato on the line, but I couldn't get anybody to three way call him into the conference line since his phone doesn't work on it. So. And Felipe was going to call in. Like, we talked so, to him, too. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Felipe, what is here? And he's been with me since I got this 
Well, the executive of Tucson helped me get the proclamation from the mayor of Tucson for the season of unity, harmony, and peace. Jack dated it to the first of the year, so as far as Tucson's concerned, this is a year of unity, harmony, and peace. And then the Petersburg mayor gave us one that said uh, it starts on October 24th. And uh, that's when we joined me at the Rainbow Gathering. We went to Atlanta. And then Russell Stop Tour went together to the White House already on August 30th. And then uh, now he's back from New York, and uh, we're regrouping and doing these conference calls different times. Hey, David. Yeah. David, I have a question. Something I've been wondering for some time. Is uh, uh, I'm glad to catch you. Tell me what David Stant is. I thought that I thought you're David, David Williams. So I assumed that David Stant had to do with your tent. I was in the Green Belt. I want to say I was in the Green Belt camped out with Felipe, and we went to Lafayette Park and hung out there for Leonard Peltier, and that's where I met Leonard's son. Uh, he was with us. Leonard's right. son. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, Chauncey. Ch- Chauncey, exactly. Right. Is Chauncey connected with you? Well, no, let me ask the question I wanted to ask before I get well, into that. What's David's tent? Okay, well, I'll answer that first. David's Please do. Tent is, is a, uh, David's tent is a religious prayer, uh, ongoing kind of music ceremony that's been going for three years, since 9-11, three years ago, on the Capitol Mall, on the edge of the lawn, Right about in the middle of the mall uh, as it goes from the Capitol to the Washington Monument. And they've been doing uh, 24 hours singing songs, different dates come at different weeks to praise Jesus and pray for the country and that America should uh, follow Jesus' values instead of what it's doing now kind of a theme. But they're more ecumenical, and the lady grandmother hosting there told me about the the rabbi and the Muslim guy that came by at the same time and talked and got a good Jesus vibe, and we're all friends and stuff. So I went there and vibed it out. It's a giant tent, like the one we, bigger than the one that was at the Unity Festival where the lightning and the thunder happened when you mentioned Jesus' name. So this is where we'll have the prayer. For, uh, to see if we can get through with all the messages and the least of their plan. All Camped out because I camped out there. So was Felipe. 
So so we have yeah. the, we have the connections there, and we go with uh, Chauncey to uh, to Lafayette Park. It was a, it was I could see what you're talking about Lafayette Park. I was there much earlier with something called Bang uh, Beat Around the Bush, where we came down and joined a drum circle right in front of the White House. That was largest uh, Bush was still there, and he, he complained. He said, "God damn it!" He said, "I can't sleep all that drums," and, and so more drums came, of course. And we were one yeah, of those, we got uh, through to him. Yep. Yeah, we were there, great. and we got, came from the Rainbow Gathering that that year was a was it was 1990 91 I think was in the we were there so it was easy to come down because we were in the Green Mountains of Vermont, and that was the Rainbow Gathering that year, and we went from there to the White House. Hell, so we have these connections. So why don't you put Wave on? Hey, Wave. Hey there, Dave. So, Wave, it's good to hear your voice. What are you doing? Good what are you a part of this? Good to be talking to you. Yeah, great. Much respect to you. Well, the respect we know each other, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. and through this contact with David and, like I said, uh, Yamato and Felipe, the others that have carried the, the, the Peace Pole the most often, that's often how I'm known, is associated with the Peace Pole a lot of these decades. So you and I were together in many different places. Is that what you're saying? Many times. Many, Many times. times. Yeah. I yeah, so. rock and roll. Uh, yeah, like yeah, yin and yang, yeah. left and right, up and down, yeah, old and young, man and woman, rock and roll, for sure. So, so Yamato wants to come and join us. It's just we got to get some money together. So I'm going to try to do some fundraising so he can jump on a plane or something and come and join us. He, he wants to participate. He's the one that brought the Peace Bowl ceremony first to the United States in its ecumenical form in 1978 at the Oregon Gathering. And they did the Global Peace Walks two times across country, and every year he does it in Taos. He's there with not much support or much helpers. I want to try to get him here as soon as I can and uh, have his energy a part of what we're doing. So I wanted to put that out there. Felipe is working on his van and needs some surgery of some sort, too. So he's he's out way late. Yeah, we're both old. So all this last minute that keeps happening, but we want to give support to Yamato. He's putting a Global Peace Forum together this same week, October 24th to 30th. Is that in Taos? 20, in, in Taos in 2020. In Santa Fe. In Santa Fe, he's looking for the location. Okay. 2020. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a very important election cycle that we're in, so we're it's just around the corner. I've been talking 2020 a long time, and people say, oh, that's so far away. But we're, we're in 2020 already. We're getting so we close. have to have 20, 2020 vision. The shadow is 2020. The truth and the, and the way through this big problem, and right around the corner in 2021, the end of 2020, 2021 and 2020, early 2020 is the sunrise of the age of Aquarius. Oh, my goodness. It's been a long dawning of the age of Aquarius coming on, but it's going to be sunrise for planet Earth and society of, and the family of humanity. That the early 2020s is going to be very special. So we uh, got a lot of work to do till then. Well, I hope to live to see it. I can really think yeah. that I better stick around. I'm going to be 81 November 12th. So I'm okay. an old guy. So, so I have a different attitude. If I make it there, I'll be. And I'd love to be there with you guys. In 2020, and I, we've done this many times on this show. Hey, it's been in, make it. Where I've been in various places, and I called in and let people know the atmosphere, what's happening. Uh, Val has been here, at the, uh, here, and I've been wherever. We've done a lot, haven't we, Val? Ah, I see that. So, Wave, that sounds uh, incredible. 
And, oh yeah, we're keeping it up. Yeah, so All he, the pieces of the peace puzzle, trying to get you know woven together. Uh, yes. do, in other words, doing more together than any of us could do on our own. Oh, it's it's coming together. Yeah, have faith. All the generations, all the generations playing their part. It was early 2020s. It's a great crescendo of of magic, like 1984, uh, Y2K, 2012, 2020 visions. Is the so next many day. members. And the great, we all you, have visions. What did you say? The great crescendo of memories. Is that what you said? Uh, well, a great crescendo of energy. Of energy. Okay, let's make that a, crescendo. A great energy coming together. Everybody playing their part. Everybody playing their part. Well, we're yeah, playing our great, part great here in San Francisco, broadcasting your voice around the planet. As I yeah, sit here with my cane. The age of Aquarius. But, yeah. we're gonna, hopefully we'll do a rainbow play to tell the story of rainbow and uh, enlightenment. Okay, and so who else that. do you have there? Uh, who else is there with your wave? Uh, Kate, uh, Red Clover. Red Clover. She's outside right now. Oh, get her, will you? Somebody get her. Red well, Clover. Is she going to help sum this up? on conference calls today. She doesn't want to be on the radio. Okay. She, she, she kind of got stepped on last time with the the writer with his battery running out. But that's not the reason. She just burned out. We had a bunch of conference calls today. Hey, well, beautiful. I'm glad you're getting it out there. And we're getting out there. And we're doing more together than, uh, than um, any of us can do on our own. So in a couple of weeks, David... Uh, to yes. be continued, is there, do you have any last words? Well, to be continued then, but the main issue, the main thing I'm trying to get through to President Trump as well as other people is that the truth is a real thing, not a made-up thing that you get people to believe is true. You're going to have to adjust the moral declination for the compass, the moral compass of America, but the, particularly this president's a great example of somebody honestly believes that the truth is what you get people to believe that you make up and that's what truth is and everybody who cops to that uh, you know since childhood they had to learn to lie cleverly to keep people from hurting people's feelings and stuff so this is the main message the truth is a real thing not a made-up thing you get people to believe is true hey i'll leave it with you there for the next till the next time dave yeah, well, let's keep, I, I respect totally what you do. I'm with all you guys. Hey, Wave, I love you, brother. Love you, David. Okay, love you too, Dave. And so it's uh, this be a, and like life itself, uh, to be continued. Thank you. Thank Very you so much. Thank you so much for calling in. This has been. Very welcome. Okay, there we go. Love Washington, D.C. Give my love What characters we have. All know. right. Until next time. Until next time. Cast the characters. E.K. Hey, Dave. How are you? It's so good to see you. Nice to see you, too. And I'd like to hear from you. We had these two brilliant poets who were just here. Did you hear them? I know. I was I, listening uh, to Vince and Shem. My mouth kept flying open. stuff. So what do you have? Well, what you brings know. you? There's well, that beautiful book that's I come out. I came because you were like, E.K., come to... Come to Muni Radio, and so here I am. <laughs> here Hooray! And this is your beautiful book. Yeah, this is my beautiful book. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. Nomadic Press just just put it out in September, so it's hot off the presses. Oh, really they good. have cooled off now; like they're they're actually not <laughs> warm to the touch anymore. Um, <laughs> you smell the paper. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's Kim Shuck saying, "Okay, Keith." 
is a rare and precious combination of a loving heart, a scalpel sharp grasp of politics, and a trickster's sense of humor. EK is a first draft pick for the list of people you want with you come to come to zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Read the book and find out why. What is this picture on the cover? Well, so the cover is the artist who the, the process was a, an artist named Artie Johnston, who is in the East Bay, reads the manuscript and basically does a piece of ekphrastic art for the cover art. And I have a, a poem in the collection called Monkey in a Death Box, and that's the monkey in the death box, and oh, wow. holding the cell phone and... Like, Barreling down the highway. Barreling down the highway. Flames coming out of its soapbox. Like <laughs> no co- co- it's a coffin. And, and it's a car pop- coffin. Popping yeah. out of his uh, skull. It is. Wow. Yeah. So well, it's, it's be- I felt it's really beckoning. heard when I when I saw it. I loved it so much. Like I'm wow. not sure what I would have wanted actually if asked for kind of color, the, yeah. the cover of my book. And when I saw it, I couldn't think of anything that it could be other than this. Like, it was so <laughs> perfect. And I was so, also just so honored. Like, I really felt heard by him. And I just love it. Yeah. Well, like, it, even wow. if you didn't know, even if you weren't, like, like looking for a book of poetry and you walked past the shelf, you'd be like, whoa, what what's this? that? I yeah. want to pick it up. And it's called <laughs> Ordinary Villains, the name of your book, E.K. Yeah. Keith. What is um, it's, a, it's a beautiful volume. And I know you you have a thumb and a thumb in so you have a poem that you're ready to read. Yeah. And I'd like to read, hear, hear you read the poem out of which the cover picture, cover picture came to you. Could you do that? I you, sure can. Do that. Let's read a couple of those. Um, okay, so the one I have just kind of my finger finger page marked here is because Vince, who was just in here when I, when I was in for a second in the booth earlier, he like grabbed the book and, and he flipped to this page and he sort of mouthed to me so that no one, you know, on the other side of things would, so we wouldn't interrupt, right? And he's like, I love this one. Right. And so what's funny is the reason I decided to read it is that I spoke to one of my cousins on the phone and she told me that this was also her favorite piece. Aha. Uh-huh. And I was like, hmm, two days in a row. That's pretty interesting. Feedback. Yeah, interesting feedback. And what's also funny about that is that, you know, I was a little concerned when this came out. I had a little bit of anxiety. I was like, oh, you know, what what, are, what is my family going to think about some of these? Like a little concern because there's some truth telling here. Right. And... And I was assured, nobody, they're going to get it. They're going to put it on the coffee table. No one's ever going to read it. Well, one of my aunts has already read it and is passing it to another one of my aunts. Oh my like, they're good. It, it is good, but, but it's also weird. it's like, uh, yeah, they're <laughs> a, people are, seem to actually be reading it, which makes me very happy. But it's a new type of communication wow. like that I I've I didn't realize like it's a different kind of mass communication and mm-hmm. it's different also from the internet like I don't know it's it's interesting the feedback that I've been it getting is. from people like it's been very positive and they've been telling me what their favorite pieces are which makes me really happy but it's also really funny like 
I guess I just didn't expect the feedback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of thought this was going to be a little bit more of a one-way communication. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the ripple effect is actually the rippling back to, towards you. Yeah. So yep. that's neat. Echo. Echo so, effect. You never know. Like Thomas Wolfe. <laughs> the first Thomas Wolfe, his first book was uh, Lacomer Angel about his, uh, his family and his life in Asheville, North Carolina. But his last book was You Can't Go Home Again. Mm. But uh, anyway, that was Thomas Wolfe who really exposed a lot of what happened and a lot of it was printed after he died. But go ahead. I want to hear it. All a, right. So this is, this is, this is, uh, this first one is Junkie Uncle. My junkie uncle was an artist whose work never went anywhere, so he lives with my grandmother and my aunts take care of them both. They don't get along, my aunts, so they arrive on different days to cook and clean, so my junkie uncle and my grandmother eat and watch TV. He occasionally disappears. And my aunts arrive, crossing days, crossing each other, crossing words, martyrs on the holy cross of family responsibility. They poke old wounds until everybody's hands bleed and still doubt anyone's wounds exist except their own. I walk past junkies on the street. Their sisters and mothers are cooking and cleaning and eating and watching TV. They argue who's fault and who's to blame and worry that this is the last time the family junkie will disappear. Wow. Oh, wow. And that's, all, that's a true story, eh? That's yeah, a, yeah. Now I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of intense. That know? is intense. I see now the, um, kind of intense. the, the setup. Of for you know. everyone. I see that. No, right. I can feel that. And the junkie on the uncle, he, he's got to get a good copy too, won't he? You know, I'm. You know, I'm. I don't know if he's well, going to read the book. I don't know. <laughs> He'll put it on the cock somewhere. It's going to be funny when I go back. You don't to know Texas what he's. You don't know any of this. That's true. We don't know what he's going to do. World, he disappears. You never know what he does. He's back. He might be mad at me. I'm sure he's back. Well, he might. He <laughs> well, might understand what you're about. Or he might understand. I think he will. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just lie and say I made it up. Okay. And it was based on an overheard conversation. No, That's well, usually what I tell people. Okay, no. well, too, that was just too <laughs> I heard somebody talking about that at the cafe. <laughs> yeah, that that, too, I liked. That was had to be true. It had to be true because oh my goodness. I like. Let's hear another. I like maybe that I line like, though. I like that line about how the, the you know everybody's um, like pain or something is. Uh, it's, it's all out there, but the but they only think of their own. Yeah. Wow. Like it's, that that might be a real wake up call wow. <laughs> for someone who lives in a land of grudge. Yeah, that's right. Grudge. So, oh, yeah. but uh, do you want to do another? Maybe yeah, the, maybe so the one that the cover is by your on. request. Yeah, this is mon- monkey in a death box. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and yeah, so I I actually really like this poem. Monkey in a death box. You're a monkey in a death box. Remember that you're a monkey in a death box. Remember that 
panic attack, panic attack, pumping pistons and spinning wheels propel our velocity. We're traveling as fast as fossil fuels can take us somewhere. We get lost in neighborhoods where all the street signs are all the wrong color. There's no way to get back to where we were before. We don't want to get back to the same lost place anyway, anyway, anyway will do. Panic attacks strike randomly like seizures. Your faith in your ability to survive the moment seizes up with the sudden acceleration of your likelihood of dying in this automobile right now. You're a monkey in a death box. Remember that you're a monkey in a death box. Remember that time just after the world tilted upside down and the car drops but it's okay we had the top down anyway upside down means seat belted ass up and you can't quite grasp why it's so dark but that's what happens when the windshield hits the dirt we crawl through glass to get out from under the car while the tape deck still spins on battery power i'll see you on the dark side of the moon no one knows the reason why today's not the day you're gonna die i'm a monkey in a death box i'm a monkey in a death box oh my goodness okay what an amazing person you are oh thanks Dave. what amazing people we know <laughs> wow so do you have do you, i know you guys are reading together do you have anything coming up Oh my goodness! What you coming up uh, here now? Let's see what I, I. You know what? Let me consult my calendar. Make a little banter here. Let me grab my calendar. Okay. I do have some things coming up. Oh look, we might have a commentary from a critic. Yeah. Hey, Don't look at me. Hey, Don't look What's at me. Okay, we won't look at you. I'm not, I'm I'm not looking at you. What we say is, I'm looking hey, away. Then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> funny, uh, no eye contact. Uh, it's funny that I uh, mentioned uh, Thomas Wolfe's You Can't Go Home Again, and then he read Monkey in the Death Box, which was kind of a similar theme. You can't go home again. Okay. So. Bye, Shem. Bye, Shem. Bye, Shem. Thanks for coming. We'll see shalom. you again. Soon. I, well, I want to say shalom, Shem. Oh, so I do have some exciting poetry news. What do you have to? Well, so... Um, Nomadic Grounds, which is a worker-owned collective coffee organization. I hesitate to say company. Coffee roasters? Yeah. And they do like all organic free trade coffees. Um, Mm -hmm. And they also every week put a poem in every bag of coffee. Yes. We got that when you won. Flashback. Yes. But Bloodflower and and James won uh, this porch light storytelling, and and they got as one of the part of the prize was a bag of nomadic coffee with the poetry in it. Yeah, there yeah. we go. And they and they they waved the no musicians thing for me. Remember they that? did. They you were, were like, a very wow. special yeah. case. I'm a special wow. case, cool. all right. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so where's the where's the place? So so, so it's in Oakland. Okay. They're in the East Bay, um, on the other side of our small water. So this week, actually, from Tuesday, October 23rd, which just happened, uh-huh. through 
um, Monday, actually, it's either Monday or Tuesday, the 29th, is one of my poems, Out of Ordinary Villains. It's nice. I learned all my Spanish in school. Wow. And that is the poem that's in the Nomadic Grounds like, coffee. Like every bag wow. of coffee gets your poetry yeah, in it for a week? Yeah, every bag of coffee wow. is, has my poem in it this week. That, that's honor. neat, right? Uh, wow. That's so and, cool. And I'm this week's Dial-A-Poet. So what does you, that mean? Oh, I've well, done that. That's cool. Dial-A-Poet is cool. Dial-A-Poet is cool. So if, if you go more. on the website here and click on Dial-A-Poet and, you know, use your phone <laughs> and dial the number you get to hear me talk about my poem i learned all my spanish in school and read it what yeah. so you get the poem and the what? coffee and then you get to hear me as this dial week's dial a poet oh my goodness he oh my god i've so got a call fine. i got a call how do yeah. you do how do you so how do you do it okay so <laughs> you go to the website which is i would just search up Nomadic, nomadic grounds right nomadic mm. grounds yeah nomadic grounds is the the coffee organization um and go um there's a tab mm-hmm. and like cruise through the tabs and find the there's one that has a drop down menu that says dial a poet it's the one with the, the weekly poets on it i wish i was being more specific here no people can find specific. it but it's pretty easy like it's a very navigable website yeah. it's really easy if anybody's around. listening to us now on mutinyradio.fm they can go on the internet find nomadic grounds coffee the po- and soon find dial a poet. I think Vincent's mm-hmm. doing it right now. He, yeah, Vince is <laughs> Vince is on Vince, top of things. Vince is on, on dial a poet. He's on the case. <laughs> He's on it. So that's pretty cool. So you know, fast. if if everybody likes, if you want to buy some coffee and get my poem in there, it's great for like your refrigerator magnets you could put my poem up or if you're not that into coffee you can just go to their website and read it and dial a poet is free wow you know what's another good idea now because it is the end of october if you wanted to go and buy a a bag of coffee now or a couple bags of coffee you could give them as holiday presents that's i was pondering that and I think they sell Nomadic Grounds at Rainbow Grocery. Mm-hmm. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. And I think it's it gusses, but I might be wrong. You should. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure about Rainbow. Cool. So, so that's a thing that's happening now. Wow, coming hey. up. Heck yes. On November 7th, um, I am co-featuring with Kim Shuck at the Alameda Island Poets reading Ooh, from 7 to 9 p.m. and I didn't write the address down in my book here which I probably will look that up. I like Alameda. But that's Alameda, you know, it's that little island yeah. that's, you know, sort of hanging out close to the East Bay. That's but where, that'll uh, be really fun. I'm excited about that. That's where that taller bombale the drum cir- the drum circle Oh, is that where they they they're from they, Alameda? From, yeah. from Alameda, they're always in map in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm a San Francisco native, and uh, I only learned about Alameda being <laughs> an island probably about seven or eight years ago. <laughs> I had no idea, no none, none. What? It was weird. It's a great That's place funny. to visit. Went it's up to trip. the East Bay Hills, you know, and then. Um, you know, pointed down, and and uh, my companion was like, "That's and that is Alameda." I'm like, "Get out of here!" <laughs> and then he's like, 
and and then like a month or so later it was like and then there's did you know that there's a second island of Alameda I'm like stop telling me these things this is ridiculous like what what's happening you know like I've been to like 17 countries and I'm like there's an island called Alameda I thought it was just a county it's San Francisco for you Mm -hmm. your own backyard is a mystery yeah I know well, I grew up in the fog, so you know you get a very in the fog or in a fog. In well, well, it's it's okay. I think you have another. <laughs> oh yeah, I, so I do have some stuff coming I'll up. Think about that one. So on cool. on Sunday, December 9th, I'm featuring at Kim Shuck's Gears Turning reading over at Adobe Books. Adobe. That's a sweet, you know, cool thing on December 9th. In fact, my birthday party is going to be after. Uh, that's on four to six on November 11th. And then uh, will be the B day party. So I'm welcoming all the change. Come and come and come and come and come and be part of it. Yeah, come and share your poetry again. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll probably go to that one and maybe try to get in on the open mic list. Yeah, but bring the people. The next month, December 9th, okay. is when I'm I'm signed up to feature at Gears Turning. Oh, wow. And then December 18th, this one's really cool. You know, I'm getting, because Nomadic Press is in the East Bay, I'm getting over to the East Bay a little more, which I'm really loving. Uh Um, uh, So on December 18th, I'm featuring at an event called Get Lit, and it's at Ale Industries in Oakland, California. It's 3096 East 10th Street, and um, you're only allowed to read brand new stuff that's never been spoken into the mic. So that's a very exciting opportunity. What do they that's do if cool. you don't? Mm-hmm. How, I don't do know, know how anybody would know, but like, well, you know, I'm pretty it's a small, honest. It's a small community, I too. I checked the fingerprints. You know? that's well, I don't think they're going to say You, <laughs> you see the same, a lot of the same people in the same brand circles. New stuff. Like, yeah. I remember that one. And now it's not based on your tried and true that you always do. But you brand new stuff, and that's all yeah. you have to say. It's like get off the beaten path. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. I'm just gonna go by the rules. So you know that's. Yeah, of course. That's so. I'm I'm looking forward to those things. That's oh, gonna so be beautiful. slick. I like Kim's reading. You, okay? Kim's reading is. And good. knowing that uh, this has happened to it's happened to others before, and now it's happened with you. But Thanks, you probably Dave. never expected it would, but it did. I know. It's just. Like, you, uh, oh, here I'm it so is. glad to have, <laughs> be part of our. Our common thread family here, because we just keep putting it out, and interesting people always come, it's and true. life goes on. Right on, oh, Dave. Yeah. Oh, blood D, oh, blood da. Let's put some more music on. Oh, blood flower. Uh, well, let's put some more music on. We could do that. Yeah, because I'm kind of hurting. Can I read a new poem? Oh, please. Oh, yeah, Val. Can. Yeah, can I read something after the music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I think I have a new poem here. Yes, I do. I like to read after a break. Okay, let's do it. Okay. That works for me. All right. Um, well, before that, though, I mean, Ike, I'm really, I'm really proud of you and excited for you. I'm excited to dial a poem and listen to you talk about your poem called I Learned All My Spanish in School. Uh, I like that poem a lot. I've heard it. That's not new, so you can't read it at the next but I'll leave it. <laughs> I won't tell. I won't new. tell. <laughs> but, um, I won't tell. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, Thanks, Val. Yeah. So the, the, the poetry season is fruitful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote a poem last week after my Litquake performance, which was really exciting. So um, and, and so good. I heard you were if, the star. If, if anybody of the out show, there missed it, Val was the best. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, and and that's hard to say because the other two performers were so good, and Val just like was this powerful 
presence, who had a clear, unique voice. And I just felt like that you and the Brown Fellinis and their music like merged into that, like, you know, like in choir when you achieve that, that all together voice that's a result of, of everything. I felt you went into that space and I was so pleased to be there. I was really, I loved it. Thank you, EK. Yeah, it was a really special night. Like, I mean, I was really honored to be asked to perform with the Brown Fellinis and, and Jenny Lim and Paul Flores and, Pab- and Rico Pabon. It was really cool. I've seen them all perform before. And then I'm like, I'm going to be on stage with the Brown Fellinis. Get out of town. <laughs> so, you know. That's a good mix. It was, it it was, was great. It was, it was mix. a fantastic show. If you go, my, there were some videos. So if you go to my Facebook page, Val IB, yeah. you could scroll around and you'll find um, there's a double video because I had two yeah. um, short sets. Um, it was really, it was really, really special It was special amazing night. work. It was amazing work. Yeah. So after all that Friday night excitement at Cafe yeah. du Nord, I was like, I'm going out to Lit Crawl on Saturday, of course. Um, I saw Bloodflower read in Lit Crawl. I, w- I went to at Adobe Books with the CCSF Foreign Crew, and, that's, and that was where we reconnected with Vincent out there. Um, and then... Um, I was earlier, I'd gone to the KALW storytelling series at the chapel. Mm. At that one, I learned that that was where the after party was going to be. So I went over to the after party for a little while. Um, And it was, it was, it was pretty fun. It was pretty cool. So this was written, uh, actually, I wrote this at the after party at the chapel of uh, Lit Quake after party. Lights dance on the chapel walls, lit quake, lit up in red disco dreams, passing torches of paper trails. Riders are igniters of imagination, calling from quiet corners, screaming out in the dark that some light may shed, ricochet and roll around in the minds and mouths of those devouring the morsels, sweet and burning messengers in a mass transit of words. Oh, Val! So I'm glad to be on this mat. I'm glad to be on this bus with y'all. You made me feel like I was there. Yeah. I felt like I was there for a minute. I think you were there, Bloodflower. (laughs) No, I was. No, might have been there in spirit, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Speaking of some spirited things, I'm going to play a little more music from Mission Delirium. They're having a show this week. I got to find out the details about that. Um, These that crazy brass band. Right on.
Mission Delirium. So they're going to be performing tomorrow. That is Saturday, October 27th in Perseda Park. So that's at 3200 Folsom um, from 630 until 10 p.m. And it has a particular theme that they're they're going for. Of course, you know we're very close to uh, Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, and um, so Mission Delirium. That's don't. This is tomorrow evening, Perseida Park. Um, Mission Delirium invites you to the Bay Area's premier unicorn Satanist brass band Halloween music parade. Sounds like my kind of gig. I know, right, Bloodfire? Uh, Amducius is a fallen angel, a grand duke of hell, a ruler of 29 infernal legions. Spiffy. He takes the form of a satanic unicorn and leads a cacophonous brass band through the fiery roads of hell. Amadusius. Amadusius. Yeah. Worshippers of Amaduci or Amadusius um, will gather in Presida Park at 6.30 p.m. at 7.06 p.m. I'm going to bring my cloven hoofs. We will. You should. Read it on. We will, they will say a prayer and perform a ritual to summon Amadeusius and his unholy band of musicians to earth. Amadeusius willing. We will process through the neighborhood, destroying the eardrums of all those who cross our path with booty-shaking brass music. Dress, dress in your freakiest and Amadeusiest Halloween finery and come join us. Note, this is a sidewalk parade, so please stick to the sidewalks and be careful of traffic as we go along. Thank you. And watch the pudding pies. I don't know what that means. They're, they're, they're the things that people leave on the ground. Oh. Well, pudding pops, I call them. <laughs> it's, like, it's just too nasty to contemplate like the reality of it. You know, so I... <laughs> there but have i got fun. a cruise right now thanks for having me thanks Val. ek thanks for coming nice to be seen. we love you i'll see you next time i love you too all okay, right go dial a poet and listen right. to ek keith yay <laughs> bye, y'all. bye thanks for the title for my first book <laughs> memorable memorable chunks <laughs> <laughs> memorable chunks <laughs> oh my goodness gracious what Is are we doing what are we chunks or uh oh well <laughs> that's okay it. we'll leave that out there we'll we'll save the chunks part ah, we'll, i know what we'll it is I, i'm not gonna give it away though on the air so i don't want anybody to steal your title or your thunder or your amadeusius that's that, gonna be yeah that's that's gonna be trippy yeah it's uh <laughs> Sounds straight. That sounds like something I'd do when I grew up and growing up in a yeah. back east. You know, it's uh, <laughs> better to do than worship Satan and eat a lot of sugar. Hey. <laughs> <And> same, same. <laughs> Mutatis mutandis. Oh, um, my God. Oh, speaking of, though, speaking of worshiping evil, um, you know, we, we, have an, we have an election. <laughs> We have an election coming up. We do November sixth. So, so this will be our, our our last show before that that all happens. Because um, uh, we do we're doing our show second and fourth Fridays of the month. Um, so we won't be doing a show on November first or second, whatever that first Friday is. I'm actually going to be going out of town um, for that weekend. I have a family uh, event to attend, which will also be a memorial, actually. So I think it, it's kind of interesting. It's going to be in uh, Nevada, 
which is already Area 51. Ca- it's already kind of a haunted place, Nevada. So uh, there, while the the veil is thinnest between the worlds, um, I'm, I'm a little bit spooked. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So it, well, the, the the festival of Sam ha- Sam Hain. Sawain. Sawain. Yeah, I can never. I don't know how to pronounce Celtic. That's okay. Uh, thanks. <laughs> I forgive you. I, I appreciate it. Well, it's the, it's the ancient. Basically, it's Halloween, and it's the the like what would this, the the church would call now All Saints Day. Basically, when you know the dead come and they walk they the earth, so it, it is kind of hail you know as the time of year when the the veil between two worlds, both worlds, is the thinnest, and so you could call upon those who have crossed over um you know for messages and guidance and and their presence um so that's to the other side of the camp so when will we'll be our next show uh, let me check on the dates for that it says before before the election <clears throat> no not before oh, the election. So this, this, our this is our last show before the, okay today is friday october 26th next friday november 2nd we are not having a show next tuesday november 6th is the election okay, we'll be having a show the friday after the election which is november 9th and so um in the meantime i just want to make a quick plug i think you should definitely check out what the san francisco league of pissed off voters are yeah, yeah, um are definitely. talking about they, they've put out their 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 vote Voter guide. Um, they're very thoughtful. They're very progressive. I've been to the meeting where they where they where they argue over this, where they decide, where they look at it. It is something they really go for it through seriously. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They. I mean, they really do their homework and they mm. really consider it and they they do it democratically. What what their endorsements are going to be, which is like a you know simple majority. So they sometimes they have things that they don't endorse because they can't get a majority. For example, they're not making an endorsement for government. Because <laughs> they didn't get more than fifty percent saying "Go Gavin." I yeah. So it's I you know would that would piss me uh, off, understandably. Yeah. But anyhow, that just a little taste of it. But but they're really pushing. Kind of redundant. They're really think? pushing, uh, of course, Prop C here in the city, um, and and Prop Ten uh, in the state. Um, because both measures are really designed to help everyday people live a more affordable life. Um, so, anyhow, here we go. DJ Rubble's here, and Bloodflower, and Diamond Dave. I'm Global Val, and it's 5 o'clock, so we've got just about another 20 minutes or so. Are we still in, in poetry the, corner? Oh, yeah, you were going to do a poet after the break. I'm sorry. Go okay, ahead. Well, let's get the DJ Rubble came well, in. Well, he's, Either way. Let's yeah. It was it was supposed to happen after the musical break and I I forgot. Well, let's have the musical break. I enjoyed the musical break immensely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We didn't have it already. Go ahead, Bluffo. Oh yeah, that'd be the ruin of me. Um, there is a voice that haunts me in a shade of indigo blue. It leaves behind a residue, raw and resinous. This residue assumes a god form and enters into a slanted skull, commencing to lick the walls till they achieve a dull gunmetal patina. Today's lesson is a toxic hex 
a wayward spell for idle hands, a scar tissue binder that insults flesh and her language closely guarded by her devoted scribes. Refrain insults a lonely moonlit pearl. Refrain attacks the tyrannical ear. Refrain it shrieks and cries in endless hallways of torment. Adheres itself to the echoplex headspace of the terminally indigent and the spiritually displaced. Whose hand lit this lambent flame? Whose hand lit this flame of fright? Who lit this flame that allows children to see him, to tremble at his horrendous parables? Thank you, that was Sonnet 23. You know, that was recited by memory. It's not written from, read from some paper, but you have recited from memory. And it's like, a, it's like an open door to some kind of hell of life, life being a hell, and the hell with it. Thank you. Say, Wowsy. I, the, the truth is I can't read my own handwriting, and I'm too vain to wear reading glasses, so I, like, I rememberize everything. Well, thanks, so, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, I, have a, uh, I have an uh, event coming up. Um, at Alley Cat Books tomorrow night, which is the 27th, also happens to be Sylvia Plath's birthday. Sylvia. So we're going to join in the. Uh, oh, yeah. We're gonna. We're gonna. Halloween time. The thinness. The veil thinness. Maybe she's really close. Maybe she's close by. We can tap into her over there, right? Yeah. We're gonna have Robert Carr and Dan from uh, Timecat are going to be doing a uh, tribute to Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, nice. Um, Aeon Flow will be there. Six String Samurai, I call him. Oh, my God. Uh, he's bass player. Uh, he, he writes as well. I just found out today. He's an awesome writer as well. Um, uh, Hold Naplo, the only other Hungarian poet I know other than Ruth Weiss. I know two Hungarian poets. I consider myself very fortunate. Ruth Weiss is Hungarian? I believe so, oh, yeah. Well, and and Hold Naplo is as well, and she's a brilliant vocalist and poet. And... Uh, Let's see, Vincent Calvaris will be there as well. All right. The phenomenal James Zealous will be there, right? And because I was like really sweet and I was like really like, what do you call it, complimentary, Sarita de la Madrid will be there as well. So it's going to be a wild and woolly night in the mission, all in the spirit of a suicidal boy crazy poet from the 50s. So you can't, can't like, not not go there. I know I'm up against the parade and the witch's ball, but, you know, we'll we'll make do. But uh, what time is the event? From 7 to, well, they'll let us go over. So it'll probably be like 7.30 to 9 or 10. Okay. Uh, Costumes optional. And said so many past poems are about a collection of poems in Ariel. Yes, sir. And so I took it out. And her husband was uh, the the guy who became Ted Hughes. The, Ted Hughes. And he was the one who did uh, there's some great biographies mm-hmm. of the Ted Hughes, uh, Sylvia Path, uh, uh, Marriage, and Tragedy. For Both sure. brilliant, 
poets in their right. Uh, you know, right yeah. And in fact, there's a biography uh, of, of Sylvia Path that's about that whole situation. Where, that her dad says the coldest, it was the coldest, the coldest winter in England for years, mm-hmm. for years, in no memory. And that's the one where she uh, would put, put the kids outside, went in the kitchen, uh, put paper under the door, stuck her head in the oven and died. Yeah, that's a tough way to go. That's M- tough. Must be, but she did it. Tough. And actually, and then he, so he marries another person, and the second person all does the same thing. Another poet does the same thing, but doesn't put the kids out of the room, and the kids die too. England's a very depressing place. Well, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. It's too full of English people for me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think EK has a has a Sylvia Plath poem, but she has a Sylvia Plath costume. Well, that's the thing, you know. With her I invited her, but she can't make it. Um, I my project next year is to connect with my anima, my inner female, like the inner crazy woman, and her face I'm using is like. For when I focus on the crazy inner woman's blood flowers inner woman has the face of Sylvia Plath so I'm going to try and like exercise her in the next year of my work and performance and stuff well you're going to start tomorrow at Alley Cat Books 7.30pm I don't think you want to miss it I have an oven but I never use it so don't worry I'll be around (laughs) okay good good microwaves don't do the same thing you can't you can't do that dries your hair in a snap that takes a longer time to kill you dries your hair in a snap though you stick your head in the microwave. I think you could. I think you could go to Presida Park and 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 Alley Cat Books tomorrow, because Presida is uh you know calling in. What do we say his name is? Andalusius. You know we are we're demon <laughs> At friendly. Seven oh six. We're demon friendly. Yeah, maybe there. they might walk by. Yeah, yeah. They might march by. That would be bitching. All right. That would be really rad. <laughs> yeah. That would be really rad. Well, I, I like where you're going, Blaflower. Again, of course, I never know what you're going to do or say next. Um, well, you I, know, that, I that is by design. I try to like, I try to keep you in tune. You, d- you, you do. You know, I really. You know, I. You know, I do. I. I try, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I do no, my best. It, it, you're not uh, enigmatic with your communications. It's just a matter I, of what comes next. I always I, uh, always a mystery. I don't like to leave people out. Like I try desperately not like to bring everybody in, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's not always like the best plan, you know. Sometimes like some people have to be kind of like next gig. You know we'll do it, you know we'll do it next. But I really, you know, I enjoy putting on events and performing, so you know, it's a uh I'm in a good place. You know, and uh, um, it seems to be spreading. People are coming out, uh, doing more events. You know, um, what do you got very, on the, very on the good. agenda? You look like you look like the cat that swallowed the canary. You look like the. You know, I thought I thought pretty tech. <laughs> DJ <laughs> DJ Rebel. Allergy treatment to a cat that we have in the house because of a mouse. Oh, pandemic, but um, I you like know, otherwise I don't think I have cat-like qualities of, <laughs> of devouring up the competition. 
<laughs> well, I know, but you 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 pounce politically onto um, some very uh, important issues of our time. DJ Rubble, our friend and visitor from uh, Berkeley Liberation Radio, welcome back to the Common Thread Collective here at Mutiny Radio. Yeah, I do want to say something. I have political stuff to the point, but I think it was last show you had. I was really taken. Yes, that poetess. By the presentation of the book. Uh huh. And particularly by the way she used the free program, Learn to Do It, and she had her poetry, and it's good. Yeah. But that she was able to just do it herself, put it in a whole book, and she came in here, and she was so excited. And yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. Um, what, what's her? Of it. What's her name? I know she goes by She's her initials. Going by APL. APL. I, I think her name is Abby. I believe you're right. I think it was Abby. Bitter Elixir is the book that she put together. Her and her friend on the outside, we were talking about some of these propositions around mental health and a lot of insight into that, too. All right. um, But there's four of them here. Mental health and homelessness is what I've been doing since I came here in 1991. And other than my job, I'm not getting paid to take sides that aren't you know in the interest of the people doing it so we've got four propositions here that have to do with that and in each case big corporate money's trying to stop these things when there should be clear um, rights and wrongs here we have a proposition one which is in the state straightforward $4 billion across the state to build affordable housing for people with low and moderate incomes, including families, seniors, and veterans. So this one isn't um, targeted towards disability, but targeted towards low income, which mm-hmm. is, you know, often correlates, mm-hmm. obviously. So that clearly should be a, a yes. I'm not sure if there's a lot of op- opposition to this or whether it's going to go through. Mm -hmm. Proposition two, this one I don't believe is highly publicized, and there's um, debates on it within um, people within the mental health community. This authorizes $2 billion of mental health services funds to build housing with treatment and supportive services for Californians at risk of losing their homes. Mm. So what we're talking about here is people with mental health conditions needing housing. And the mental health services, there's something at the state level, a Mental Health Services Act, and that taxed wealthy people, millionaires, X amount of money, and brought a pile of new money into mental health services with very little direction on what it has to be used for. Mm. But it was supposed to be for new and innovative programs, but it came through right at the same time the economy collapsed and all the existing programs were um, being defunded. So you have a situation where you're supposed to have money for new and innovative programs, which they have evidence-based practice for, but a lot of it's being used for existing programs by manipulating what's in there and saying it's a new program. Hmm. Um, But overall, this money is not being used. um, 
people in the general public might be surprised it's not being used. Um, a lot of it, there's very little leadership in Sacramento about what it's supposed to be used for and not. Mm-hmm. And at the county levels, particularly, I'm hearing a lot about Alameda County, there is not a lot of innovation around there as to what to use it for. So a lot of this money's just sitting. And um, there's money out there not used efficiently. Um, the arguments about this is that this Mental Health Service Act money is supposed to be for mental health treatment, and some providers do not want it to go to housing. They want it to go to purely treatment, which you're talking about medications and things. Right, right. And others are Outpatient saying... Outpatient programs and medications and things like that. Right, sorry. Um, and what others are saying is that this is the primary of treatment for individuals. There is... Um, there was there's evidence-based practice called housing first which shows that that is the singular most valuable treatment first mm-hmm. for people with mental health conditions mm-hmm. and the um, results would show that given help and placement in housing and the kind of help people need within three placements 90 percent of the people would succeed in keeping that housing and not getting evicted. That's significant. What's also significant about it is they don't have to do the hard and half impossible work of being totally stable on medications, if at all, and being totally sober, in that a lot of people can take care of themselves and handle that, and obviously not be all over the streets with it by getting the housing. So advocates and myself are saying, yeah, it would be ideally if they put another pot of money out for this, that would be good. But that I believe that's a good use for the money. Um, London Breed here is obfuscating the whole issue for her funders by saying, we have to go back in and audit mental health money before we put any new money out Right. And advocates know it could be used a little bit better, but nobody's saying that nobody's saying that the mental health money in the city's being wasted. So there's that's um an example of the kind of thing that's getting thrown in. Right. The right. mix to confuse yeah. the issues. Right. Since when doesn't government want to have more money to work with? Is is the the the, the big hole in in that argument but specifically you're talking about another thousand people that they've identified here that can get supportive housing another some odd thousands who can get the actual treatment and the supports tend to be social services and personal services integrated health services that don't need somebody to be in a transitional housing with supervision in an institution or what they're calling a doghouse over in Oakland with these tough sheds. They get their own apartment and there's a minimum of service people need to be linked up. So they, so it's something society can handle. Hmm. So those are less argued about. The Prop 10, of course, is the one at the state level to take off this restriction against cities being able to reenact 
rent control. Right. And yeah, and update their rent control laws and, and extend rent control to single family homes, perhaps. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That yeah. the city it can, doesn't... each city can make its own as opposed to being stuck with this end run of a state law saying that they can't do anything about that. And of course, that's getting the most blowback. Oh, sure. This thing, including um, you're getting hundreds of thousands going into these dark money campaigns in a shot just to do hit pieces on these things. And now they're going after homeowners claiming that, you know, the same claims they make all the time. You're not going to be able to rent. So hopefully that will win because we need, I mean, people, people even, oh, sorry, I'm cutting you off. That's right. We need some hopefully here because I re- you realize that most of the voters, or many of the voters, are going to go in the booth and not have any idea about this, and vote according to in many ways, without even putting it putting in context, which is everything, the uh, the money that's been been put forth by very special interests to get their own way, get yeah. their own way. Real estate industry and now some tech jumping in for who oh knows what reason. Um, and that was the problem with London Breed in District 5 is she was bought and paid for by that money and sure. she has she has some skills in different areas including obfuscating the issues so um, she's not the best person up there hopefully um, there'll be enough pressure from the public and the Board of Supervisors to get her to do the right thing but when she came out with that phony excuse that was more of the same. And, and it, you've got Prop C. Yeah, yeah. $300 million to build 4,000 new affordable homes, to acquire and rehab existing homes, and to provide mental health services for individuals and families who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. So as I was saying, earmarked to get a lot more people into housing and treatment. So these three together would cut into the severity of the problem, even though it's going to do nothing to stop the flow of making new homeless people every day, and that people even at $100,000 a year might not be able to find an apartment nowadays in the urban area they work. But this would, these three together would cut significantly into the problems that we're seeing out there. What was it? Well, that's it. Well, thank you, DJ Rubble. I always appreciate what you what you bring to the table, because I, um, I know that you're thoughtful and you're active in the in the communities that um, most need and benefit from uh, or or suffer from public policy um, that is being made at a at a much higher level than a lot of the folks whose lives are directly affected by 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 a lot of these things. So, thanks. What's happening at Oakland, for example? There's two black women running for um, mayor on a grassroots campaign going after this mayor Libby Schaff. Now she says everything they're saying is not factually true, but it's basically representative. She's used virtually the whole, if not the whole, homeless budget to build these things called tough sheds to get people off the street. And what they are is little compartments in armed, gated areas where people go in to, to, it looks like a little tool shed, or black people down there are saying it looks more like a doghouse, where people go in with no electricity, no running water, and no sanitation or what? anything, and sleep two to a bed in a dark room. Two to a bed? 
Two, two to a two shed. Two to a bed. Yeah, it's like eight by fifteen. Yeah. So one like person walks into thing. a place with no, with no electricity. No electricity. Sleeps on a half, sleeps on the other half, and that's what they're using to close down the encampments on the street out there. So they've used the whole homeless budget for this. It doesn't look, it's inhumane. It doesn't look like it's going to work. But on top of that, there's been three like hundreds of thousands of dollars of donation <clears throat> by three of the predator medical systems, Kaiser, Sutter Health, and Dignity Health, that are serving more, I'm saying, as campaign contributions because these are the systems that are refusing to let us have single-payer health care hmm. at the state and the federal level. So she's gotten a lot of mileage in the abstract by saying she's doing something innovative. But the whole thing's an absolute flop, and oh it's goodness. not. And 70% of the new people out there the new homeless are black people and the black populations dropped from like 34 to 20 percent in the decades so that is the group of people that is most severely impacted by it is black people Hmm. and it's you know after seeing black people pushed out of here over to Oakland and now they're being pushed out to Vallejo and Stockton and whatever it's that's the reality of that situation over there I'm sure it's not as bad on this side but they have been just trying to clear out encampments for for those what do they call those those places where people can get short-term shelters now here Oh, the navigation centers. The navigation centers. And what they're doing there is pushing people out after a month or two without anything because they want to say that their space is open when they clear out an encampment. So where they... If it could have been long-term transitional housing until people are on their feet and right. can get something, right. it might be something. But mm-hmm. now it's... But like a 90 days, you know, what it, it's asking a lot to go from the streets to turn your life around to get work and housing and everything that you need in 90 days. Re-traumatize yourself. <clears throat> so it's... Mm. Um, so there's a lot... There's, there's really a lot that needs to be done on this. And on housing yeah. for everybody. So Kat Brooks is running for mayor of Oakland, right? Kat Brooks, yeah, she's known as a radio announcer and as um, opposing police brutality and the policing issues. Yeah. So she's one of them. And there's another one, I believe her name is Pamela Price. Okay. She's law enforcement. She was running for the top law enforcement job in the county against an entrenched um, an entrenched person who's in there who won it and she did a good job in the city of Oakland especially East Oakland of getting the vote and she's also running too and they're doing the same thing the two of them at this point saying go one two for either of us Hmm. there's another African-American man I'm forgetting his name who um has a fairly prominent job. I can't remember, but he's talking about a lot of inno- innovative stuff and a number of other candidates. So in other words, there are a number of non-white candidates coming in with what's being talked about as progressive solutions. So there's a good debate going on there. Wow. 
All right, and DJ Rubble from Liber- Rubble. Berkeley Liberation Radio. Um, on, on the tales of that, I wanted to play two videos, which you can't see, but you'll hear them. Um, uh, that 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 you of topic things that you touched upon really. Um, um, there was a press conference held in Berkeley um, that you can find it on Facebook. Um, and you should really follow this page. It's called First They Came for the Homeless. And um, this is a group of homeless activists in Berkeley. Uh, they've got, some of these guys have actually been on our show here before. Um, and uh, this was their press conference. And then the second one that I'm going to play for you is um, a very hopeful piece, um, an anthem, if you will, um, that came out of the She the People conference that I went to last month. So um, let's let's see if this uh, cues up right. Wow. Berkeley has basically exposed itself to be really a fascist location for the homeless. Yeah. Uh, the DBA and the city council worked together to limit homeless people to a three foot by three foot square that's five feet tall. Now, if you guys look around, you'll see, just because you're sitting here, how much room you really have. You know, a homeless person has to carry everything they own on their back. It's just not going to work. So if you're poor, you're reduced to, you know, just a few cubic feet to exist in. And they use this to protect the money coming into town at the Bart Plaza. And homeless people's beer is not even allowed on Bart Plaza now. So... That's what's going on in Berkeley. In Berkeley, when you have a homeless camp that's drug and alcohol free full of seniors, and a problem shows up, the police show up and say, you have to let them in. We're not going to protect you. So they're demonstrating that there's no equal protection under the law. Threats are being made, and they still don't do anything. So the rights of homeless people are still less than the average right should be. In Berkeley, they stole a lot of our gear. So we filed a lawsuit. Last month, we achieved class action status on the lawsuit. Now, it is only limited to the homeless of Berkeley, but it's a stepping stone towards every other city in the area being able to file suit. And that's what's needed. I have had thousands of dollars of gear stolen from me as a homeless man. When you're homeless man, you can't replace it. I've had my medicine stolen, my ID stolen, my birth certificate stolen my blankets, my clothing, everything. What did I get out of it? I got sent to the hospital. What did the city get out of it? They got a pat on the back from the DBA saying, good job, you got rid of them. But they didn't. Right now, First They Came for the Homeless is running multiple homeless camps. We have began assembling a new coalition with Stephen DiCaprio from Michael John, Grey Panthers, a whole bunch of groups are getting involved. Me is involved. We need everybody to come together and start talking together. Homelessness is not limited to Oakland, San Francisco, Berkeley. It is a national problem and it's only going to get worse. We need to start going together in force saying this is just not going to continue. Put the housing in that we need. Come up with real plans. Stop chasing. Stop forcing the homeless into situations that they don't want to be in. Don't put two strangers in a tiny fucking poison yeah. shed and say, that's what you get, or jail is what you get. You know, when they raid tomorrow, or when they try to raid tomorrow, be there and stop them. You know, you guys have the power. They don't. They want you to think 
they have the power. So when when these guys are getting raided tomorrow, come on out. All right. When the cops show up at his camp, stand with this man because he's standing for all of us. And it takes leaders, and there's not enough leaders out here. I'd like him to introduce himself to all of you so that you know who this guy is and where the camp is. Um, hello, folks. Uh, for you that don't know me, my name is Nino Parker. Um, I've been out here advocating hard for homelessness for uh, at least a year straight. I've been out living at Lake Mayor for over five years. Um, it, I, 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 like Mike says here, it's time for us to take a stand. There's a lot of grandpas and grandmas I see out here. I'm so, I'm so tired of it. Um, I'm, I, I, there's places that you probably don't know about where, where these people have where we have our breakfast and our gatherings and when you go to those places where you see 10 15 people that are like over 50 years old you're wondering what the city's doing to help our elderly um it's very important that in in our once we experience life and, and got all that wisdom and with that, that in the older years we can utilize that in some way and not be in a tent somewhere or, or, or some campsite on the street Another issue is when, when folks are out there in the street like that, how do their grandkids visit them? What, what's the family like? What's taken away? You talk about these programs that are housing like um, the Henry Robinson and the Tough Shed program. Can your kids visit you there? I have an 11-year-old. If I was in the Tough Shed program, can my 11-year-old come and visit me there? Probably not, because some of the actions and things that go in some of these Tough Shed programs are the same actions and things that were going on before they went in. Remember that, folks. They're, they're not safer than my area. I'm up at a place called Camp One. Camp One is uh, up on the land at 2nd and 12th. Uh, there's about six of us that have been up there. We've had a safe encampment since the 4th of July. That's the day we took it. There is no other thing like a campsite like it in Oakland. Camp One is the only safe campsite where folks can come and sit have a good evening, a fire, and some food, and just sit around living the rest, the, the best, best we can out here in the situation that we have. Homelessness is not a business, folks. All you folks that are out there building tough sheds and, and, and lining up your nonprofits uh, for, for this, that, and the other. Homelessness is a condition that people fall into, and, they fall, and a lot of people fall into it here in Oakland because, as you know, Oakland at one time was 40% black. And now it's the numbers are way down. And because of that, the people that are becoming homeless, the former homeowners, are all black. If you look around, 75% of the people out here homeless are talking black people. It's an issue we need to look at. One of the problems I had with the UN report is this. They went around and they talked to a lot of different people and a lot of advocacy people, but did they come and talk to any black man? They knew I existed out here. You need to come and get everyone's perspective because some of our perspectives are different. There's a lot of different types of homeless politics is I'm finding out. Um, like I said, I'm meeting the game here in Oakland. But nevertheless, it's very important that we realize there's black leadership out here too because the people that are suffering, uh, people that are suffering the consequences are black people. Yeah. All right? So let's remember, Thank let's you. get out here and uh, make sure that when you're up in East Oakland and, and you see all these folks out here, uh, the grandmas and grandpas under these yeah. bridges and under yep. these freeways, you guys really need to look at that. Think about this. When, when, when you're all at Christmas, everybody, and I'm not talking to you folks, I'm talking to everybody. When you're this Christmas, when you're at home with grandpa and grandma and all the grandkids are there, think about the people that can't have that simple luxury of having their grandkids that's with them on Christmas. Yeah. Let's get the seniors house here, folks. Yeah. There's a lot Woo. of homeless issues. A lot
lot of different messages. Let's get the grandpas and grandmas yeah. on the street. Let's get some kind of housing. Let's get a guarantee from the city. I don't, whatever, mayoral, city council, let's get a guarantee right now, tomorrow, and my coming by the second, but tomorrow we want a guarantee. You come and talk to us about moving, bring us a guarantee that we can get started on something. Because we keep, they keep telling me, and back in 2016, they told me 2018. Eight, now it's 2018, they're telling me 2020. And 2020, they'll tell me it's 2024. Now we can't keep waiting. Let's do it now. Yeah. All right. You just heard straight from the people. Uh, was you should definitely follow the this crew. First, they came for the homeless. Um, these were the folks over in Berkeley to in Oakland talking ex exactly what DJ Rubble was talking about. Um, so this is real. Um, these things are happening here in our in our neighborhoods in our communities. Um, and uh, don't neglect the fact that there are homeless communities and it's not you know it, it's it's much more than just uh, you know what you might uh, see out your window as you ride the BART train so um, I wanted to also infuse you with some um, some positive messages here coming from the women across this country um, I went to a really amazing conference uh last month called she the people and it happened here in san francisco at the julia morgan ballroom and amy allison who is a, a podcast host of democracy in color um very active she she lives uh, based in the east bay in oakland um very involved in 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 the political process has run for her office office herself but she put together this amazing conference where there were women from 36 states from around the country who came primarily focused on making sure that more women of color are in politics at every stage of government um so there were political strategists from around the country um people from uh, P p women from Georgia who are, who are working to get um, Stacey Abrams elected the, uh, as governor, um, people from Florida who are challenging uh, Republicans, uh, incumbents in office. There is a wave across this country um, of women, uh, and particularly women of color, who are running and winning um, 240 women across the country won their primaries this year. Um, uh Mo the majority uh, of them are women of color. Um, so it's an interesting time in our politics where we see on the mainstream TV, we have to look at fucking Donald Trump all the time, spewing all of this hatred and nonsense, but really behind the scenes stuff's happening. So this was a kind of an anthem that came out of she, the people. Um, it is a compilation of a lot of the speakers who were there that day, including Linda Sarsour, who came all the way from Brooklyn to be here. Um, you know, she's a, a Muslim, American woman who was one of the like five or six people who put on the original women's march in Washington DC um, in response to that guy's inauguration so um, this is what came in today let me see again it's mutiny radio so fingers crossed folks here we go I told you we had fingers crossed. 
Mine are still crossed. It's happening. Wait for it. She the people. She the future. She the women who march for a better tomorrow. She the canvasser. Getting her neighbors out to vote. She the immigrants. Making democracy stronger. She the farm workers. She the first Muslim woman in Congress. She the Oakland girl who built a global movement. She the new American majority. This is your invitation. It's okay if you've never voted, never considered yourself part of a movement. You're not alone. We're working for you. Join us. Join us. Join us.
Well, folks, it has been another really special, magical, loving, artful, political afternoon here on the Common Thread Collective at mutinyradio.fm. I want to thank you all for listening to our show. All, however many thousands of you there are out there, our show gets 20,000 downloads every month now. Uh, Women's Magazine gets about 18,000 uh, downloads every month. So whether that means we have a bunch of uh, weekly diehards or this word is just spreading like wildflowers and they, they, they burst up and in, into colorful uh, thoughtfulness around the world. I know not, but um, I do know that um, I want you to know that we appreciate that uh, you're listening and that it me- it's something meaningful for you. Um, you know, we, we sit here in this funky little room and uh, talk to each other, and but really, we're talking to all of you, and, and we want you to know that you're supported, you're loved, um, we believe in you, we believe in your art, we believe in your, your own special form of activism and, and uh, efforts to make the world a better place. Uh, we believe in whoever you are and whoever you want to be and whatever you want to call yourself and what, whoever you want to love and however you want to love them. We love you, um, and we're about peace, and we're about making this world a better place while we're here and for the future. So thank you so much for, for listening and being part of the Common Thread as we cast that wide net. Also, I want to encourage you uh, to tune in to the Women's Magazine podcast from today, October 26th. I spoke with um, a fellow podcaster, actually, um, um, a, a woman from Saipan, and also who kind of grew up in the Bay Area, but her family's back in Saipan, and that's where she lives right now. There was a huge typhoon, a super typhoon that just hit Saipan. Um, but she, she was on my show today talking about the Alternative Zero Coalition, um, her podcast is the Alternative Zero Project because in 2015 the uh, U.S. Milita- U.S. Navy and the Department of Justice came up with this oh this 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 hatch this plan um, uh, to um, basically do live fire bombing tests um, on two. Um, of the Northern Mariana Islands, which are part of the U.S. Commonwealth, um, the biggest of uh, there's if there's a chain of islands that goes up, it's there in the North Pacific. Um, Saipan's the biggest one of the, of that uh, particular political affiliation. Um, Guam having its own kind of a political status um, under under U.S. rule, but. Um, yeah, so so the uh, they they just want to like move everybody off of uh, two thirds of their islands or an entire island and just bomb it for practice, um, traumatize the people who are nearby, um, you know, environmentally harm the the land and waters and animals and life livelihood of everybody there. Um, they've even offered uh, when when there was protest against, well, what about our fishing grounds? Um, you know, the, the the navy actually offered to, well, that's okay, we'll just move the fish. Um, so this is a kind of a David and Goliath fight, but it's rather starkly black and white, um, what they're trying to do to Tinian and Pagan, which are two beautiful islands in the North Pacific. So, um, check out what the Alternative Zero Coalition is all about. Um, raise your voices, let people know, um, and get educated about it by listening to the podcast of Women's Magazine from today. Or you could tune into the podcast that comes straight from Saipan, um, the Alternative Zero Project. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud and such. Um, she's 
building up her listenership. So you guys should tune in um, as we follow this. We continue to follow this um, development in the Northern Mariana Islands. Uh, I also did a show last August, August of 2017, August 10th or 11th, uh, which is also on um, our podcast archive. I'm going to get out of here. This has been a long day and I'm tired of talking, but that's okay. I hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Um, And uh, yeah, we love you. Um, Here's some music from Mission Delirium to take us out. And then you'll hear the the, uh, wonderful Station Breaker. And then stay tuned because the comedy happy hour open mic is coming up next here on MutinyRadio.fm. Stay tuned later tonight is Pam Tassik's Comedy Clubhouse. And there's all sorts of amazing shows throughout the week. Um, So check out the schedule on the website. Peace, y'all. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker. Saturdays from noon to two. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy 
Billy Bob. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bear exoskeleton contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. so many comedy shows 
of this station. We're actually under the free comedy section. Vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. Let's watch movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as movies over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 